It's episode 290. Oh my god. Of the platformers. Of the platformers, a show about games and nerd culture. And I am your host, Brian Barnett. I'm the next one along the line, Chris Cornelise, aka Delphia. Yo, what up? I'm Will Berger. Hi. And this week we are here to talk about actually not a whole lot of things, but we're going to get to what we get to. Uh, so I am enjoying a nice nice little beverage that I have dubbed, lovingly dubbed, the Polish party uh, after uh, the Polish party that happens at PAX West. Uh, and Will and I went to that and had a great, grand old time, but when I first went, when I was first taken to this event and squired about by one Andrew Wolf, who himself has made maybe seven appearances on this very show in years past. Uh, they introduced me to a little delightful little beverage that is uh, unfiltered apple juice or apple cider and Zubrovka bison grass vodka. And I highly recommend it because it is quite delectable. And uh, I may already be feeling the effects of this delightful little tonic right now. Well, if it wasn't the middle of the day here, I would consider, you know, mixing something. But uh, it's yeah. the middle of the day here, and I may need to do things else, you know, once we're done here. So, you know. This is my second <laughs> nice. rum and coke of the night. Nice. Well Gotta done. Well done. Yeah, well. For me, I have cordial, so. Wait, ladies and gentlemen and people of all kinds, what should we talk about tonight? Well, I don't know. There's, yeah, we're all kind of in the lull where major reviews and such were either working on things or not quite there, or we know there's major stuff coming. There's like, what, Super Mario in like a week? That's probably going to be the talk of the town for a while, even if I don't know how much of that I'm going to play, but, you know, it's usually a big deal, I, new mainline Mario. I, I have, I just, I think yesterday or two days ago, I think it was yesterday, uh, pre-ordered both Super Mario Wonder and Spider-Man 2. So I will be picking those up on Friday from my local Best Buy, which I am quite excited about. Uh, an interesting thing, uh, Simon Cardi did the IGN review, uh, and basically uh, his takeaway was this is the best of the Spider-Man games, but the open world stuff uh, suffers in quality, which, I mean, just holds true to what we've been talking about, which is like, Games probably need to be not as big, not as expansive. The open world stuff needs to be very intentional if you're going to do it. Um, so I'm very curious to see what I think about it once I start playing it. But I, I am incredibly excited to play more Super Mario Wonder. Will and I played that, as you will see in our PAX uh, preview episode. We played that at PAX West. Uh, that game fucking rips ass. It's so good. And I cannot wait to play more. Yeah, I'm. I, every time people are like, oh, it comes out like like this week i'm like what like i can't <laughs> yeah i'm like what are, what are you talking about um so because until you had said it i had not remembered that it was out this week so i'm like oh that's neat like that'll be a fun game to play with kira or maybe yeah. online you know depending on the nintendo servers maybe maybe it'll have online do we know if it has online multiplayer actually that'd be fun Ooh, i actually don't know about that dude if it has online multiplayer you and i have to play this yes that is gonna be so fun yes that's exactly what i was thinking maybe we could get the wives together also dude yes although audrey is not like a huge like she's not a mario fan She's more of a... She's like a Mario Kart-specific, like, enthusiast. A Mario Kart enthusiast. 
She yeah, no, she's like I think the I think the the saying she used to have this saying where she would be, she would be like, "I'm a very nice person. I will emotionally destroy you at Mario Kart." And I was like, "Damn. All right, it's like that, huh? All right." Mm. Mario Wonder. Uh, it does online. look like it does have multiplayer. Creating private rooms allows friends to play together or race. And it looks like oh. it has like a ghost or phantom mechanic kind of thing. But, um, no online co-op, but it does have online play. According to NintendoLife.com. Nintendo Life usually surprised. knows what they're talking about. Uh, the direct shared details on the game's online multiplayer, but one big surprise is that it doesn't have traditional online co-op really. You can co-op locally with up to four people, but Mario Wonder's online play is completely different, encouraging you to create rooms for friends and participate in friend races. In these rooms, you can see what level your friends are currently playing and play those same levels. You'll appear as a live shadow that can revive them or give them items. Uh, one other neat addition, though, is a sort of Dark Souls-esque mechanic. Uh-oh. Even in Mario, you can't escape it, guys. Where you I can leave a standee. You have been invaded by Luigi. Yeah, where you can leave a standee. <laughs> You've been invaded by Luigi. Hold on, I gotta make a note of this. Hold on. You've been the, it's more likely you'd be invaded by, like, Wario or some shit, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the middle ground while Luigi. You've there been you invaded go. by the ghost of Luigi. Uh, where you can leave a standee in a level and any player online can touch it if they die to revive themselves. That's not a Dark Souls mechanic. What are you talking about? Standees can be bought from shops. Did you play Dark Souls? Dark Souls is available on Switch Nintendo Live. You should have played it. Standees can be bought from shops throughout the game, and there are more than just Mario standees. If you touch someone else's standee, you'll see their heart points, which shows how many people they've helped online by reviving or giving items. Now, there was a mechanic in many of the... I mean, in many of the Dark Souls games, this is not true, I don't think, in Elden Ring, but where... If somebody made, if somebody put down a soapstone message and you liked it, it would heal them or refill their Estus flasks in this their own game. So, Ring as well. Oh, it was okay. Yeah, I, so I basically never. Yeah, the first never, person to never, put down a message <laughs> next to a turtle that says, "Is this a dog?" Basically, just everyone liked that. They became they're unkillable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting that mechanic is is interesting that is a bummer about no online co-op i wonder if there's like i wonder if there's a workaround uh, if you if you do like the forbidden tech anyways we're not going to talk about that but i'm excited about uh, i'm excited about mario wonder that's going to be i mean i don't think there's any doubt that it's going to be great like even before we played it i think the, the general understanding is any mario game is at least going to be good Listen, all I need to know is it says Nintendo on the box. It says Nintendo on the box. Like, all right, you had me. (laughs) Will Burger, known arms enthusiast. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, arms is actually a fairly decent fighting game. Yeah. right. I mean, I don't know if it's like an all-time great fighting game, but it's not bad. I, I will I will say with Arms and also with Splatoon, I did appreciate that Nintendo was doing something new instead of just now. Uh, so we talk a lot about franchises. Well, actually, we I don't think we actually talk about franchises getting run into the ground. Uh, we talk about we could. <laughs> mechanics being shoehorned in where they don't belong, like open world, these sorts of things. But we don't often actually talk about franchise fatigue. 
um, because we don't, I mean, we don't cover films. There's been a lot of talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which actually we've done spoiler casts on this show when the Marvel Cinematic Universe was more of a like. When it was actually relevant, <laughs> I suppose. I was going to say like, I was going to say in vogue. Yeah. But, um, but even when it was like more, when they were like cultural events, like yeah, we did Infinity stones. War. Everyone we was did, watching, yeah. Yes. We did Infinity War spoiler casts. We did Endgame spoiler casts. And that was awesome. We also did that with Star Wars a bit. Um, but now it's not as relevant. But there has been criticism for a long time in the like film and television industry about like Marvel and Disney and, you know, Star Wars just running shit into the ground. It's a production um, line. It's there's no real yeah. creative thought or process into it. Though, what is there is usually you know done as best as they can, despite mandates, despite you know quotas and things. Really short conditions on how how long you can actually work and write your script. It's like you know they're tur- they're turning out full scripts of this stuff in like two weeks. After halfway through, they have to scrap it again. It's like you know just. But the yeah, the machine has sucks. to keep rolling, and uh, there's massive, there's like massive diminishing returns on it, as we've seen. Like, no one cares anymore, right? Like, it yeah. probably it should have taken a break after Endgame, definitely. But even so, it just kept on going. And yeah, like the only thing that's worth a damn in anything recent that I can think of is um, obviously the Spider-Man movies. Not counting Spider-Verse, that's its own thing. Way better as well. And I, I still need to 3. see the second Spider Verse movie. I really you do. want to. You really do. It's it's yeah. it's quite good. It's excellent. <laughs> you can see uh, all the people who miss their children's birthdays to animate that film. Seriously, <laughs> I have no idea how the hell they did that. Besides, but they they skipped the, their children's birthdays I mean, to yeah, animate like, the I mean, film. Anim- like there there have been pieces that have come out about this, right? Well, uh-huh. like I believe I saw at least one where it was like they were given like two weeks or something to finish like one particular section or something. And they crunched hella hard on like one of the things that is apparently one of the more impressive scenes in that movie. I don't know, but uh, yeah, there's stuff like that, like that I still haven't seen. Fucking John Wick Four, like I need to see that. Neither have I. John Wick Four rules. I I I mean, John Wick just in general rules. Anything Keanu does, like I just want to be there. You know, Mm. which is why I need to get back to Cyberpunk. I hit franchise fatigue after the third John Wick movie because it was like "Mm, this Mm. is pushing it a bit. So that's kind of where I got to. And then none of my friends could pick the day or wherever to actually go see it as an event. So it's like, mm, I didn't get around to it. Yeah, I think I, I like four better than three. So like, you know, if you haven't seen John nice. Wick four, I would, I would recommend seeing it. Uh, I think three is like maybe the worst one. I think it's the worst of the three that I've seen. So but I still yeah. think it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's still a good it's movie. It's just, you know, its problem is that it comes after two, which is the one I think is the best one. Yes. So, I, and I, I agree. Um, yeah. Two it, has the fight with, uh, with common, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, two is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Two is, two is great. The first and three two is the one with, with Halle Berry and the dogs, yes. right? Yes. yes. There is the one with Halle Berry and the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And the dude from iron, uh, um, iron chef. Yeah. Okay. Let me, let me, I, we're going to take a sharp left turn into like, do you guys like James Bond movies? Yes. I've seen all of them several times. Yeah. Okay. So what's what's so I have not seen a lot of Holly Berry movies. I have seen her in John Wick 3 in 
the James Bond movies, which is, I think the movie she is in is maybe, it's Dying definitely the, the worst Pierce Brosnan Bond movie. It's one of the, it's in the lower half of James Bond movies in general, I think. It's, it's in just, like the it's bottom go, five. It's GoldenEye it's again. It's not very And then good. she's yeah. like a very nothing character as Storm in the X-Men movies. Is, is Holly Berry part of the problem? <laughs> No, <laughs> I don't think so. I think she's great. I just think yeah, I, just, I think it's she's ve- fine. It's just I yeah, think it's poor, very yeah. I th- I, I and luck, probably for for real. I do think that uh, John Wick three was weak. I thought that she was when she came in with her dog. I thought that that was a very interesting idea. I thought that she was one of the more interesting things that happened in that movie for real. But uh, but I did I did think about that and then think about like the Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie where he's like driving across the ice with her or something. I forget what the fuck they were trying to stop. Like some dude that had a bunch of shrapnel exploded on his face or something. It was GoldenEye again. That's literally the plot. Yeah, isn't it? It's just a rehash of GoldenEye. It's like this was, this was, it's not even like, you know, redoing an old idea of a Bond. It's literally Pierce Brosnan. (laughs) Like, I I don't get why, why they decided to do it like three movies later. It's like, you're really going to try to do the best James Bond movie and just not have Alec Trevelyan in it. Like, come on, you can't do that. I don't you can't it, do that. I, I think it, GoldenEye is the best James Bond movie is a crazy take, but you know, <laughs> it's I, the well, best. That, it's the you, best Pierce Brosnan one. I'll give you that. It's top five, like easily, but I don't think yeah, it's the best. It's, it, it's it's you're gonna try to make GoldenEye, but without having Famke Jansen try to strangle people to death while she's having sex with them. Come on, listen. I'm not here for this. Listen, uh, <laughs> the 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 one liners in GoldenEye are all timers. Dude, they're so good. I mean, th- so here's the thing. Pierce Brosnan, and I know that we are way off on games, but this is nerd culture, so I'm going to... GoldenEye is a major it. is a major game. The game is take really it. good. Take There's it and run way. with it. But Yes, one, GoldenEye, one the film based on the game for the Nintendo 64. <laughs> <laughs> Slappers only. Um, but the, the, the funny... Th- so... Pierce Brosnan is my James Bond. When I think of James Bond, I think of Pierce Brosnan. That is one because those were the movies that were coming out when I was of the age to that, that's be watching age, James right. Bond yeah. movies. Yes. Also, Pierce Brosnan w- would probably be my James Bond anyway because my dad actually looks a lot like Pierce Brosnan. So, like, <laughs> there's also an element of that where, like, what I if your also dad feel was cool. I also feel very familiar with Pierce Brosnan because he just, he looks like my dad. So like I have a great affinity for him in that. Uh, and Goldeneye was the first, uh, it was the first of his movies, but it was also the first one that I saw. Uh, I think Goldeneye might actually have been the first James Bond movie I saw. So this goes back to like the, the, the discussion that Will and I have where he's like, why do you like Final Fantasy VIII? And I'm like, it was my first Final Fantasy, shut up. And he's like, okay, that makes sense. Which point, I don't actually think it was my favorite. I think, discussion. Well, yeah, I think my sure. first Final Fantasy was actually uh, like Final Fantasy Legends for the Game Boy or some shit like that. Like something just inexcusable, which, which really. Which is itself it. technically not a Final Fantasy game. It's a saga No, game. it's totally different. <laughs> it's a totally different thing. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Was mine? I think it was, I think it was four. Uh, it was a seven or ten... 
It was a perfectly legally acquired copy on PC of 4. Yeah. No <laughs> laws were broken. <laughs> no laws were broken. No people were harmed in the creating of this Final Fantasy memory. Yeah. Yo, so Brian, I have to ask you a question, right? If your sure. dad looks like Pierce Brosnan, right? Like, yeah. one of, like, the most famous, like, handsome, you know, Hollywood leading men. What happened with you, bro? <laughs> Dude, I knew, I knew, I knew that was fucking coming. You knew where this now, was going, but we had to. Now, had to. I will, I will say, I will say, we're gonna get real for a second. I kid. I think Brian is actually very handsome. I kid, but yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I will say, I will. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. I was gonna say, I will send Will pictures of me when I was at my peak, the peak of my powers. And I think I think you would be hard pressed to say that I was not an incredibly good looking dude. Now, I've I ever since I got so I got a hernia like ten years back and it took me out of I don't know if anybody knows about hernias, but when you have surgery like that, they basically say you're not allowed to lift like anything for like a month. And then it increases like five pounds after that. So I basically couldn't do a lot of the stuff that I did at the time to be really active. And since then, uh, like after that time, I was like 10 pounds heavier. And then after that, I was 10 pounds heavier than that. And the most I ever got was 30 pounds up. And now I've gotten back down to like 10 or 20 pounds up or something like that from where I was uh, initially at like the peak of my powers. So I'm trying to get back there, but I've never quite been able to reach that, that same, uh, that same peak as I was like, I think 13 years ago or something. It's the when I was like struggle. in the, in the one fifties or one sixties. Now I'm like 180, 181 right now. So when he was young and quick and full of promise. When, I mean, when I was a music teacher and I was playing drums like fucking five or six hours a day. You yeah, know what I mean? do like, that, that doesn't hurt, you know? Yeah. And also, I lived with people who made, I think, almost exclusively like vegetarian food or something like that. So, like, combination of those two, of those two things really uh, did a lot for me. So, But we're trying to get back there. We're doing a lot of plant-based stuff uh, here. And uh, it's, it's nice. You know, I... Uh, I had two like chicken burgers or turkey burgers with lettuce wraps and a bunch of veggies and stuff like that today. So like I'm slowly working my way back down. Yeah, I was like 195. Yeah, I was like 195, 196 for a long time. And now I'm like back down to 181. So like I'm slowly trying to make my way back there. I lifted last night. I'm walking like a couple of hours a day on this treadmill that's under my desk. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to get back there. But, uh, but yes, yes, something happened. Something, something very terrible happened between my dad and me, uh, such that I came out the horrible goblin that you see before you. (laughs) (laughs) You embrace the chaos gremlin energy. It's true. It's true. Will may act like one, but I look like one. (laughs) That's true. Man, this podcast is, uh, not at all organized or... Well, we knew that going into it. It's like we don't have any major topic, to- topic talking points, so we're just going to ramble and go where. Yeah, I, I can talk about stuff. That we got here, sure, but it is just well, interesting that we got here when I mentioned 
friggin' Super Mario, and here we are. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that, uh, that train. Dude, I tell you guys, so, weird stuff happens when I've been drinking. But I will also say that uh, my buddy Andrew Wolf from Nintendo Deal and Deku Deals gave me this freaking Satisfy Grip. Have you guys seen this thing? I have not. Looks good mm-hmm. though. It comes with its own Ooh. custom cases, a Tears of the Kingdom branded one. Uh, he gave this to me, and this has like really been great because I've been playing a lot of stuff on the Switch. So I've been using this. Because yeah, I'm starting to feel it. I find I find it like really obnoxious um, to play stuff on the Switch. Uh, and once I switched to uh, uh. to this, uh, it's made things way way easier. So um, once I went to so I, I went to Seattle recently to see the. Um, 20th anniversary of Give Up by the Postal Service and uh, Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie. Um, and so we saw that we saw that show at Kraken Arena and uh, The Beths opened up for them, which is a band that I've been all about lately. So check out The Beths. Um, Knees Deep and uh, Expert in a Dying Field are incredible songs and you should definitely go check them out. But we actually saw uh, that show on literally the day uh, that was the 20th anniversary of Transatlanticism and right down the street from where the, all those songs were written, which was really, really cool. But I got to see my old buddy, Andrew Wolf. He gave me this. I've been playing Disguise 7. I've been playing a lot of other stuff, including uh, the Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood, which is a like tarot card uh, indie game. Uh, I am incredibly early in. I have not played hardly any. Uh, I've made my eldritch bargain with the like behemoth from beyond the stars and have started to kind of build my tarot deck, uh, my own like tarot deck or what, I guess not tarot deck, but my own like deck of cards. Uh, and, um, so that is pretty cool. Uh, I don't really, I'm so early that like, I'm not even sure what to say about it because I'm still like in like the establishing kind of prologue, I guess. Um, but that's just kind of what I've been into other than like more Baldur's Gate three, which has just been act two stuff. Um, I've gotten through a couple of other encounters. I've gotten like a bunch of new powerful equipment. Um, and I'm just trying to kind of plug my way through Baldur's Gate three to get ready for our our big, uh, big review discussion. So yeah, I am. I need to go back. I need to go back to my individual playthrough. I dabbled a little bit recently in a multiplayer playthrough of it, just continuing our, you know, it's almost like we're shitposting our way through it just to see what we can do (laughs) and how much we can break it. But like, yeah, because we've all, like all of us have finished or seen the ending of in that little group. So we're just like, so what kind of fuckery are we going to commence here? And it's like, we're going to make this antagonist dance, get a bard, make him dance. We do that mission accomplished let's and then we're just shitposting our way through to act three to make it happen so we'll see how that goes but uh yeah that's that's been my experience recently in Baldur's gate three i need to finish it and prep myself but uh i don't know don't have as much drive for it partially because you know i've been playing starfield and then cyberpunk and then going back to that it's like oh so many i want smaller games i want other things you know yeah one thing that I think is is interesting, so I, I Chris, do you have 
like a go-to class when you play these sorts of games. Will and I had this discussion when we played Lords of the Fallen, where I was like, I pretty much I just always play a caster in Souls-like, so I chose the caster, and that was a bad decision. We made a mistake. Uh, we should have we known. Made a, we we made a mistake. <laughs> we should have known, but. That's basically just how I always do things. I always play casters, like, because... I mean, not not always. Like, this is something that, that Will and I was also talking about in, like, fighting games, where it's like, you know, I'm going back to Blaze Blue and I'm like, should I pick up Nine? Like, she's a wizard. Should I play Asuka in Guilty Gear? Like, he's a he's a wizard, you know? You're a wizard, I, Brian. I find that, that archetype, like, so interesting because in fiction... As a wizard in a world with magic, you can do anything. So, like, it really opens the doors to creativity, and that's something that I'm really interested in. Whereas, like, if, like, I'm really strong and I have a sword or my fists is, like, kind of boring to me. Unless you get into, like, My Hero Academia, like, uh, you know arenas where it's like Khan all be Toshinori yeah where it's where it's just like yeah where it's just like All Might is literally so strong that he punches and it makes rainstorms like he's so strong that his punches affect the weather and shit like that's nuts like that's cool you know and how do you balance Superman or have a fall of Superman while still you know just yeah God, or One Punch Man I love him in that series so much yes Mm -hmm. where where One Punch Man where it's like this character is so powerful. One punch from him just ends any fight. What do you do in a story? Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's like, yeah. And, and so if you're not doing something like that, I'm just like, well, strength is just fucking boring. Like give me a way to like break shit. Like give me a way to, Oh, I can cast a spell and teleport all of my friends across the universe or whatever. Like magic is so much more interesting to me. So I typically go that way. Not necessarily because they will let me break things or let me get super creative because not all games let you do that, but I like the possibility. So that's kind of where I go with things. I'm curious, like, do you, because I I picked a sorcerer in Baldur's Gate, like, do you have a go-to class that you go, that you, uh, you know, do in RPGs or anything like that? Or do you just kind of embrace whatever whim catches you in the moment? Um, I'd like to say I have a type, but truth be, I have several and I just Mm. kind of in my, in my head, almost the way I do things is that I have like characters that I create and Mm. there's, I've got a few recurring characters of sorts that, you know, I have just come with me through my own, you know, fiction or pick, you know, ascended MO characters or whatever. But that archetype that I have developed will then if there is a character or a position or a setting or whatever that kind of fits that character identity, I'll just go, I will make them. I will make an incarnation here. So it's like, mm. when I make a rogue, it is always going to be a specific kind of rogue that uh, that pertains to one character. And that is... They're always going to be named Locke. Yeah, yeah they're always going to be named Cora. <laughs> and, you know, and that is the character I'm running in my solo Baldur's Gate 3 playthrough. It's just like, I went a rogue, um, you know, half-elf girl. And yeah, and just been doing it like that, and so that's kind of how. I go, if I want to go later, Final Fantasy, they're always named Balthier, <laughs> and they're always like a Han Solo copy, you know. They're always whatever. voiced by Gideon Emery, etc. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> but um, but yeah, the tr- yeah. So that's kind of how I do things. It's like, what character will fit this? You know, of my of the 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 wheelhouse of characters that I kind of gravitate towards. And sometimes I'll make something new. It's not like I'm, you know, locked into those particular things. But, um, yeah, it really depends. 
That's it, it's also a, really tantalizing to me to like think about what like me what I would specifically do in those scenarios and to create a character that is like a like a me not surrogate but like uh what's the word would it be surrogate but like basically like a version of me in that world <laughs> so like yeah self-insert character like that where like if that was the case then like I definitely wouldn't be a sorcerer like I would be a bard because like that's part of what I do like I'm a singer like I write music I've been a musician for like 20 years or more actually at the, by this point like I've been a musician for 30 or 29 years at this point maybe 20 of those being professional and so like at a, a part of me is like well man like that kind of makes me want to play through Baldur's Gate as like a bard and like see what that does because like does that speak to me on some deeper level like I, I don't know or like when when I decided when I thought like and this was a legitimate thought well I don't I'm very curious to hear if you've had any the answer is probably no but like I'm curious about like in fighting games being like, well, I'm a drummer, so I am very familiar with, um, I guess not fighting, but acting with one weapon in each hand. Mm -hmm. And so when I played Persona 4 Arena, I chose Yosuke because he has two kunai that are about the same size as drumsticks. And I was like, if I was actually in this world, this would be a fighting style that I would be very familiar with because I've been playing the drums for 20 years that is hitting very specific places with like two weapons of similar type. Like I'll do this. Like, and I, I don't know if that's like a totally foreign idea, but there is an idea like there, there is like some drive in me. That's like, let me find some approximation of this. That is actually the most close to my experience or the most close to like, what I would actually be doing in this world based off of not who I would be if I was born in this world, but like who I am actually now. Yeah. So like I've, I've kind of done that. Um, never in like something like, you know, persona or guilty gear or whatever. Uh, but like part of the reason I played Jin in Tekken and then Lydia later on was because like they both did a style of karate that reminded me of like the one I learned when I was practicing. Mm. So I'd be like, Oh, this is cool. Like this reminds me of stuff I used to do. Right. So I would pick those characters. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think it's there to an extent. And I think, you know, like, fighting games are such a personal, especially with, like, characters, like, you have, like, such a personal connection to your main character for whatever reason that you pick them. You know, it could be they look cool. It could be that you like their moves. It could be anything, right? Like, but once you find that character that, like, I don't know. Has... For me, like, like the Kai and Sin are very positive, like, you know, see the best in people type of, type of people. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, you just like their personality, right? Like, or like something about them reminds you of like your own worldview, you know, whatever that is. Like, I think that's one of the. They're cool good-looking blondes that are idealistic. Yeah, there you go. There you, go. you know, I think like <laughs> the cool thing about fighting games is you can have like those relationships with those characters that allow you to express like yourself in the game, which is not something that often happens in other genres. It can be hard to find someone that clicks perfectly, both in terms of your expression, the move set, and everything. But when it do, when you do get that click moment, it's like this is a, it's like oh yeah, main discovered. I'm just locking in on this. Like, like Brian witnessed firsthand when I'm just like you know got my hands on Rashid. I'm like ooh ooh this yeah. Is it. <laughs> <laughs> like, or like Kim yeah, I wasn't when, vibing when... with Kimberly as much as I thought I would, but then ooh here we go, Rashid. Here we go. Yeah, um, or like you know when Will was on the call with me when like. 
I was trying out Sin for the first time when he first came out. When he was maybe the worst character in the game, definitely bottom two. Like when he was just awful. When I was like, hey, wait a second, hold on. This guy, this guy might be onto something here, you know. And then of course he gets buffed into, you know, maybe top five. You know, who who knows? Who knows? Yeah, let's, do it for let's find out together, people. Like, let's find out. Yeah, you don't pick for balance unless either you're looking for easy wins or you're at the competitive edge and it's like I yeah. can no longer get any higher with what I have. I am at the point where I'm now so good that I need to find an edge somewhere else. And it's like, that's realistically not going to happen to 99% of the players of fighting games yeah. and such. Definitely yeah. never going to happen to me. I don't stick with them long enough. So yeah, it's like, I'll play who I want because I'm never going to get to the point where it's going to matter significantly. It's like, if I enjoy playing this, I'm more likely to stick with this than if I'm playing something that is good, but I don't enjoy the play style or, you know, or I'm just using it to ride the, po the points. It's like, cool, I'm at a higher rank. Now what? Okay. Yeah, I'm not enjoying myself. So, and and as will, as will is so oft uh, likely to say, I would simply gap. I would simply gap. Like I would simply just be better than the other person. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, which you know has, has worked out pretty good uh, for me. Anyway. It's worked out for me as well. So I, yeah, I can't I can't argue uh, I can't argue with the sentiment. I've been gapping people with sin uh, for a while now, and uh, now bro is gotten better at Axel and I gotta I gotta fucking you know I gotta, you gotta put the I gotta, work in now I gotta hey, put the work in to gap again yeah yeah you gotta it's it's the it's the thing right like you level up and then your buddies level up and you're like oh crap I have to level up again yeah and it's frustrating <laughs> new tech discovered how do I find the counter oh boy yeah the never yeah. ending grind of uh the game um yeah but that's part of what's what's good about it now now thankfully I don't have to do that with Baldur's Gate, uh, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm very excited. However, it is definitely one of those experiences where, like, part of me wishes there were not so many. We were not just completely inundated with great video games right now because uh, I would love to play this game over again and just see how different things would be just knowing what I know now. Cause like I did something and like there was some, some creepy looking characters and I hid from them and now it looks like maybe hiding from them was not the right decision because there was a major opportunity that somebody told me about later. And I was like, dang it. Like I should have done that because then I wouldn't have to do all of these other things to, you know, get where I need to be. But I, I am so curious to play more Baldur's Gate 3 in the future and play it as, like, the Dark Urge or, like, just as an evil person instead of somebody who's generally going around trying to help people. Like, I'm so curious how different that is going to be. I imagine it's going to be pretty different. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, well, my friend at the moment is going through a Dark Urge playthrough and just, like, telling me basically just meant like i've got a handful of friends just in our discord we just if we go through games and we find them interesting we just go beat for beat talk through our experiences and such so she's going through um dark urge playthrough and you know comparing and contrasting and there's interesting stuff there for sure both in terms of new aspects of the plot that it opens up different character relations different events and such 
I don't know how much that would differ from just I am not the Dark Urge, but I'm just being an evil prick. I don't know. Yeah. Hard to say. Um, and then there's areas where it just like where the nuance just isn't there or you feel yeah. like it should be and it just isn't and then it kind of goes back to the whole you know bioware kicking puppies you are evil kind of thing and it's like eh, you can do better than that but we'll see yeah one of the one of the things that's interesting to me is how like some of the stuff early on like even in act one is like it would literally never occur to me it would never have occurred to me to not do the thing that I did in act one and go with like the other side. Like it would literally not occur to me to do that unless people were like, Hey, like there's another character that you can get if you do things this other way. And I was like, what? Yeah. Some people that... only discovered that when, you know, looting the corpse, like, wait a minute, those are player. Ca- oh <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, like now I want to experience this other side of things that's like super crazy. And there's there is an element of 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 uh like when I played, you know, Knights of the Old Republic or Knights of the Old Republic 2. I can't remember which one. But I went like I was super dark side. I was just like, I don't give a fuck about you. What's in this for me? And if not, fuck you. I want to kill you. You know, that sort of a thing. Like sometimes I would play that sort of a thing as like a uh, Or like in in the original Baldur's Gate 2 when it was like when the, the, uh, I'll keep it vague for people who have not played Baldur's Gate 2 who are going to, uh, because of should, the provenance way. of Baldur's Gate 3. I mean, it's the, it's the greatest game ever made, so, like, whatever. But there is a moment when you get to decide, are you going to, um, are you going to revel in some sort of opportunity that you have, or are you going to not? And I was like, hell yeah, let's get in there, baby. And uh, Push the special I was, action button, unlock that. <coughs> yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. I was rewarded in a lot of different avenues, but it also had repercussions. And I was just like, screw you, baby. I'm going to be me. You know what I mean? And I'm going to be me mm-hmm. in whatever whatever that means for you i don't really care and like embracing that sort of you know dark urge as it were was really interesting for me and i i do find it fascinating that rpgs let you carry out these sorts of things that you would never in a million years do in your own life um and i think that that is one of the i think that is one of the great values of these sorts of immersive like rpg uh Games and things I like that. I think that's the like, strength of the good CRPGs is that they do explore these aspects. They explore yeah. both in terms of the intended story and just you have the option to go this other way. And sometimes it's more developed, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's really just, you know, laughably yeah. simple. But, you know, again, like we've talked on this show before, how tyranny slaps for exactly yes. that. And it's like, yes, mm. it does. So, yeah, it's. But even then, the you can. You can choose to be a real piece of shit. And you can mm-hmm. also choose to be somebody who, you, who, who like, uh, I think you should leave, used to be a piece of shit, you know, but now is trying to turn over a new leaf and all that sort of stuff. And I think that, the, I think that those situations are really interesting. And I, I really appreciate uh, 
immersive RPG makers for giving us opportunities to explore these aspects of humanity. Mm, I'll put it, sure. I'll put it that way. And it's a hard but ask. Yeah. It, it is a difficult thing to develop, especially when you know half your game may never be seen by most of the players, or so, more. Like or man, more, there yeah. is there is a lot of stuff in Baldur's Gate three that like I have never seen and will never see. You know, somebody was talking about how like there's a fight with Knowles early on, and they were playing a paladin as their character, and they blessed the corpses of like the hyenas <clears throat> or the dogs or whatever. And so the gnolls, which are uh, born of a curse, just never came out. So that fight was literally one enemy huh. instead of like 10 or whatever. And it's just like, that's crazy. Like thinking about that, like, I mean, I know that that's like a very simple example, but like expanding that to encompass an entire world is nuts. Like... Yeah, I'm super impressed very, with what various options done. with, you know, yeah. classes and interactions and things like that and how much it plays in. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's less of it as the game goes on because they were pressed for time. A lot of yeah. the Act 1 stuff is, you know, it was in early access for three years. We played it to death. We talked about it. We let them know and they adjusted accordingly. The later parts of the game do not have that luxury and it shows. That's mm-hmm. uh, a shame. Yeah. There's still, like, wonder, don't get me wrong, there's do, still flexibility and such, but, like, you'll see. <laughs> do you think that that will get expanded as time goes on? I, I think that there's I mean, no way. they still patching it. It's... Yeah, there's no way they don't, right? The game has made so much money. And, like, I remember initially, right, they were like, we're not going to do DLC. And then the game made, like, buckets and buckets of money. And they were like, we're going to do DLC, you guys. Like, they're, <laughs> 100%. 100%. Like... If they do a Divinity Original Sin 2 style definitive edition where it's just, you know, more and tighter and better, that's probably better. I don't know necessarily how much they want to do expansions and such or restore, you know, content that they didn't finish. I don't know if we'll get like a throwing a ball situation or anything like that where just a full on old school expansion pack. Um, I don't know if that's typically in Larian's wheelhouse, but uh, who knows? We'll see. But like. They're not just gonna. They're not just going. No, we're straight on to our next project with this. No, hell no. They're, they're just like, holy shit, we made so much money. Everyone's loving this. We can probably do something with it. And yeah, they're still patching, you, you know, bugs and optimization and such right now. Some of which I, break the game <laughs> more so than they fix. Yeah. So, patch Patch three has caused problems in my playthrough, like no end. So. Ugh. Do we know? Uh. Sales has this game come out has it come out on xbox yet as far as i know no uh i am uncertain if it is console release yet okay windows 3rd of august 2023 playstation 5 6th of september 2023 mac os 22nd of september 2023 xbox series xs 2023 so okay so it looks like not, this is on wikipedia yeah yeah. So I don't know. I, I, but, I believe Series S was the albatross around their neck, as they keep saying, just trying to. Yeah, and then know, they decided that it didn't that. need to actually have feature parity so that they could actually get it launched on Series X, which I think is a good decision. Remember yeah. when this was like a, you know, a big Stadia release? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. So it was nominated for Best Original Song. Uh, at the 11th and 12th Hollywood Music and Medi- uh, Media Awards. And then it's nominated for 
five awards for the golden joystick, which is best storytelling, best game community, best visual design, PC game of the year, and studio of the year. Which Makes I think sense. are all probably deserved. It's um, going to be like a contender for at least half the categories. On yeah. Like VJs, yeah. So. It's going to, it's going to do well. I think I'm not even halfway done with it. And I'm like, it is in my short list for game of the year. I'm sure. I would not put it there because it, I've had so many technical problems with it. Like just an outrageous mm. number of technical problems. Um, like I have T posed through so much stuff. Uh, like you remember that cutscene at the beginning? What are you? You're... What are you playing on? PC. Okay. So on my desktop, on my laptop, I have had typos and weird issues. On my desktop, I haven't at all. So I, I, I think that's really. If I was playing it on my laptop only, I would definitely be there with you. Uh, I think it's very interesting. Yeah, like I, I, I've had some, and Act Three, like, ooh, that's a whole different game in terms of how well and optimized and such it is so if you're having the issues now then well, you better hope the patches work because holy shit but uh yeah i don't know yeah part it's of weird. me is just kind of like maybe i should just chill like the game will be just as good next year you know I, I do think it's crazy like the conversation around that game has been like oh you know it's so amazing like nobody's ever done anything like this before blah 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 blah, blah. and it's like this is just like mm. another c it's another crpg like i get it like you know, we haven't had like a CRPG like that, like with that vibe in a really long time. That like feels not, as, that... not in main, not in mainstream focus. Because again, you know, us CRPG sickos have been sitting there going, "Yeah, this isn't even that great by that standards." Like aspects of it are certainly, but like again, I, I am well and truly in the camp of Baldur's Gate Two is better, like e- even as old as it is. But that's primarily on the aspect of the writing and the characters and things like that, which is yeah. probably the weakness of Baldur's Gate 3, not because, like, if anything, it's carried by characters and character presentation more so than the actual writing. Yeah. Because narrative and character writing and such does get a bit hollow, does get a bit vapid, and there's moments of absolute brilliance, and there's moments of what the hell were you thinking? And then, yeah. 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 I think it's... That's where it becomes the hard part, but, yeah. Yeah, I I, I am... the, the, The... The reception of that game, having put like... Actually, let me look at my Steam, and I can tell you exactly how many hours I put into it. Uh, having put 14.4 hours into Baldur's Gate 3, as of <laughs> o- October 16th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, 8% I think of my playtime. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like good, but like I don't know. I, like it's one of those games that just the way people talked about it, I expected it to be like, you know, genre defining and I'm coming out of it being like, yeah, it's good. You know, like yeah. I, I'm, I'm also like not having the, you know, people were like the combat is so hard and I'm like, I am steamrolling everybody in this game. Like I'm not even, yeah, it's uh, if you think the combat in this is hard, uh, I mean, Memories of Baldur's to... Gate 1, walking into a forest, taking a step, and then instant game over because of Basil yeah. looked at me. Jesus Christ, dude, Baldur's Gate 1. But that's because Baldur's you're a Baldur's Gate one, 1 Basil. Yeah, and in a... Basilisks in general. It's like, oh, we Jesus opened the fight Christ. by trying to petrify you. Do you have a save? No, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, like, even that, like, I think that, I think that Divinity Original Sin 2 is harder. Like, Can I, be. You Probably, know. yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd say so. 
I think what well, it comes by the maybe it's just lack of familiarity with fifth edition D and D because like I'm familiar with it and then I look at this and go yeah this is easier to visualize and I have some options and stuff but I already know what's strong I know how to break it and you know how to do stuff like that maybe that has something to do with it but then also in early access the difficulty there was only one difficulty setting and it was probably where the tactical setting is now so. Yeah, getting into it, yeah. even not getting into it, let alone you know just on the balance mode is like holy shit, this is easy compared to what I'm used to. So, yeah, I, I'm playing on like whatever the medium difficulty is because yeah, I'm playing it in co-op with a with a buddy, and he was like, mm. you know, like we should play it on balance. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like you know, he's like, we'll play it. We're gonna play it multiple times. I was like, yeah, like we'll we'll, we'll play it on like the regular difficulty, and then like on our next playthrough, we'll do like the hard difficulty. But. I don't know. Like, again, I, I think for a lot of people, like, it's their first CRPG or their first CRPG in a really long time. Yeah. And I mean, there are not many, so. Yeah. And certainly not which has, you know, the turn-based tactical aspect of it. Like, again, yeah. it's not as common. And so, you know, I get, like, that reaction to it. But, again, it's one of those games where, like, I guess I'm reminded that my perspective is very different than a lot of people's because I've seen a lot of this stuff before. And, like, Chris said, like, I, you know very familiar with fifth edition D and D like I go into combat and I'm like, cool, I'm going to kill this entire party in two turns. You know, like this mm-hmm. is like, this is going to be easy, right? Like I know exactly yeah, what points, I want Consumables, do. powerful spells, cooldowns. You're dead. Yeah. Let, let me, let me teach you about, uh, like I'm playing a ranger. Um, like, uh, let really? Me, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I like rangers in D anD D. It was like the first D anD D class I ever played, um, and I like doing like hunter's mark and then um, forget what hunter's the, mark is good in this game. Yeah, like the aim shot ability where you sacrifice like five to your hit to add ten on top of your damage. You just kill everything. Yeah. You just kill everything. Um, there's a there's a like barbarian equivalent version of that ability. Yeah, it's the reckless attack or power attack or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I forget what it's called for ranger. I want to say it's like marksman or something like that i don't remember but yeah i'm not running with a ranger uh, although i did i did for some time so there was a while where like i had to run because of the guides that i was writing for GameSpot. i ran tav as uh, which is not named tav in my game because i actually did a continuation of a DD character i actually made for tabletop DD. Uh, which yeah, we, is... we just call them Tav. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Tav-derge or not. <laughs> yeah. So, but I had Tav as a ranger for a little bit um, because I had to do, like, I had to do a character guide on stuff like that. So, Sharpshooter. Like, it's called Sharpshooter. Yeah. Right. And it, if you, if you, so to everybody out there, if you're playing Baldur's Gate 3 and you're playing a ranger, you need to take Sharpshooter. Yes. It is the single best ranger ability in d d And you will kill everything. And you... And you also need to be using Hunter's Mark. Yeah. Like, all the time. Yep. All the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it is... It is. What else are you going to uh, use your bonus action on? Do it. For real, yeah. Which is good, like, because that is that is the... Like, you can just use that as, like, your concentration ability and then just do the other shit that you need to do, which yeah. is great. And you're, you're not a heavy buff class, like a cleric or whatever. You don't need to worry about, you know, oh, I'm already concentrating on something. Yes. Hunter's Mark is, is basically your choice. Yes. And you kill them, you uh, reapply it. Bonus action. Easy. Go. It's it's real good, guys. Yeah. Uh but yeah, for 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 games of the year, I feel like the big ones God, It's that and I Tears really of the to, Kingdom are the big talking points, right? I need like, to really make 
a list that doesn't just include the shit that I've played this year that came out last year because Triangle Strategy is up there, but that's from last year, I think. Mm, yeah, last year. Uh, yeah, last but, year. And then there is... Mm, the big ones are like Season, World of Horror, Wild Frost... Uh, Street Fighter 6, Diablo 4... Disgaea 7, Tears of the Kingdom, Baldur's Gate 3, Final Fantasy 16, Sea of Stars, Goodbye Volcano High. So here's my like hot take, right? Like this is my hot take for the year. I think that we're going to remember this year, like we're, we're in the middle of it. It's like, wow, there's so much, there's so much. It's so good. I think we're going to look at this uh, in the same way that we look at like 2013, where it was like, yeah, there was a lot of really good games that year and like maybe five great ones. And I feel like that's how we're going to look at this year. I'm yeah, glad I mean, you I, broached I, that I don't necessarily think it's a hot take. I'm reaching that point. Like, yeah. planning ahead for the game of the year stuff. The big thing I'm noticing is, like, there's a lot of games that everyone's talking about and big contenders, and these are very good and very good. And I'm sitting here, and it's like, none of these are moving the needle on my personal marks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if any of these would, like, they might not even be top 20, let alone top 10 of my all times. Even the yeah. ones I really like. And it's just, it's... It's that weird. It's a weird feeling, you know. Everyone's talking about how good it is. It's like, yeah, it is, but the individual highs are not the highest they could be. Yeah, that's and, a really yeah. interesting. That's a really interesting context to think about this as. Is like, where would these rank on my all time? Because I think that that does put a different filter on things. Like, I think that if we are looking at things in that lens, I think that. Games like, I don't know. I think games like Sea of Stars or Goodbye Volcano High, where there like isn't really an analog. I think that gives them more weight. Like I think Sea of Stars is definitely in my maybe top five RPGs ever, Mm -hmm. just based on mechanics only. I think it's, it's really interesting. Like it's 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 extremely good. And while the I think that the story is interesting, it falls down in certain aspects. But I think that cumulatively, the quality of life enhancements that, that game has. I mean, I want every subsequent RPG that is developed to learn from that game. Like from I never, uh, yeah, I never up. want to play a classic square enix rpg ever again that isn't taking yes. at least 80 percent of these into account because like holy yes. shit guys yeah. Yeah. they've so done like, what you should have been doing in the last 30 years yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so but so by like by that mark it's like there are certain games that have come out this year that are like i want this to be a sea change going forward you know and 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 while i think that you could look at Tears of the Kingdom that way. I think there are so few developers who could actually take those lessons to heart and actually implement them. Like, it's, it's, it's hard for me to be prescriptive with that because so much of that is so difficult and so many developers were like, how the fuck did you do this? And yet you know I'm I mean? still here picking through all sorts of mechanical faults in like how the stats work and the yeah. difficulty challenge and how all of that just factors in and makes her an experience that isn't that great and was kind of, you know, I solved this combat issue in Breath of the Wild. What else you got? Nothing? Okay. You want me to fuck around and dabble in menus in order to make it interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, next, please. 
Yeah, I, that's like, and we've talked about this before. And Brian, I don't know if Chris, if you and I have talked about this, but I would probably have at some point. Maybe not like on the like, podcast or anything, maybe in like, passing. Yeah, yeah, definitely in text. We're like, you know, my thing is I'm a high highs guy, and I've said this over and over and over again. Um, like if you've ever talked to me about games or media in general, like I am here for highs. I'm not here for like good, right? Like I'm like good is good is fine. Good is good is great. But like, you know, I'm not going to remember it as much. Yeah. And I'm looking at like my, the games that I played this year and I'm like, man, like which one of these games, like, did I really like come out of it being like this game fucking rules. Right. And it's like, I'm core six. Um, Somehow I knew that's where you were gonna go. It's like yeah, yeah. This is, this I is, still need to. Yeah. That's one of the ones that Justin was telling me. Like when I was like, "What do I still need to play?" Yeah, that's. Armor I'm probably Core gonna pick it up if I get so. a minute in November because like I I feel like you know I can't come to our game of the year discussion if nothing else. I can't look you in the eyes, Will, and <laughs> say any game is better without giving this one a crack. You know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a FromSoft fan, like I feel like I I definitely have an obligation to at least try it. You know. Yeah, so, like, you know, like, if, if you ask me right now, it's like that, or maybe Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and it, it's different than I expected it to be, right? Like, I expected Street Fighter Six to be in there, and, like, the more I spent time I spend with it, the less I'm, like, enthused with it. Like, I'm just like, eh. You know, I played a lot of Tekken. The last I still think game. it's great, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. It's a really good game. Um, you know, it, this is not, like, a secret, but, like, I was out at been on Amco last week like for two days playing a lot of Tekken 8 uh for the IGN first that I'm doing this whole month and I came out of that go being like out. yeah yeah go ch- please go check it out we're running new articles like every other day um yeah uh but I came out of it being like I like Tekken 8 way more than I like Street Fighter 6 and this game isn't even out like I just I'm having way more fun with it like I want to play it more and like Mortal Kombat 1 I think is really good I think it might actually be my favorite Mortal Kombat but like is it an all-time great fighter? Like, I'd rather play Strive, you know? So it's it's one of those things where I feel like that's a lot of stuff this year where, like, yeah, I like Dave the Diver. Yeah, I thought Diablo... I mean, I actually really like Diablo 4. Um, Same, and that'll be yeah. a disgust at least. Yeah, but, like, a lot of the stuff I feel like, yeah, it's good. And, like, like I said, like, that reminds me of 2013 where we were like, oh, my God, there's so much good stuff. And everybody goes back to it. And like, what do we remember 2013 for? Bioshock Infinite and The Last of Us, realistically, for various yeah. reasons, right? But those are the two. And everything else is like, yeah, there was other stuff released that year that was quite good. But, like, that's what we remember. Like, if you go yeah, back to, Those like, are the standout ones. Both of those are, you know, overrated in their own ways. Like, you know, less yeah, so TLOU. I mean... I don't care for it as much. That's the own thing. But like Bioshock Infinite, everyone's kind of turned around and gone, did we actually, why did we think this so highly, you know? Like, yeah. There's been a massive turning point on that one. So funny that. Yeah. It's I, funny because there's been a bit of revisionist history about Bioshock Infinite. And then there's also been like a counter to that, re- to that like thing where it's like, oh, actually, no, it is, it is pretty good. But anyways, that's, that's pe- beside the, the fact point. that people are I, talking about it and discussing it back and forth means yeah. it's got something. I've been meaning to Whether go back like and replay that to like <laughs> actually like take my own temperature on that, but that's beside the point. I want to I want to get back to what Will is saying. Yeah, so like yeah. I guess like an, I, like another example like right is like 2015 where it's like oh man 2015 and then it's like what do what do people remember like The Witcher Three and Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, yeah, Metal Gear and, Solid Five, fucking awesome. Yeah, maybe the game of that generation if we're being really honest. Um, yeah. I think it has a very strong argument. Uh, but like, that's, that's kind of what I'm feeling like this year. And we're just, you know, people are like, oh, there's so much. And I'm just kind of sitting here like, I want something to rip my head mm. off. Like that's I, the I, problem. 
Yeah, like there's so much, and it, it's becoming like this soup to me, where it's like, this is a good soup, right? But like I've been eating this soup for like, you know how when you like make like a big pot of soup, you got to eat it for a couple days. I'll, I've had a couple five, days of soup. Yeah, and, five kilograms of really good soup. Yeah, and wow. I need like I need a pizza, man. Like I need something else. Um, that's how something just, with spice, yeah. Something else, something like uh, you know maybe a little bit sweeter, something with a little bit more of a, of a flavor profile. Give me some Indian, you know, give me some curry, right? Um, and I feel like that's where I am this year, where it's like, man, all this stuff is really good. And like, if I look at it in five years, my response is going to be like. <laughs> Yeah, I think the most fun I had playing stuff that year was probably I just played a bunch of Strive. Like <laughs> the game of the year for 2023 was Butter Chicken. Yeah, like it, it, <laughs> it was it was Butter Chicken in a sea of uh, you know Campbell's chunky chicken noodle soup. Um, and there's again, there's nothing wrong with chicken noodle soup. I just I feel like. And this you is like eat it three meals a day. A day yeah, two, every two, once in again, you yeah. need to get some tandoori naan. Like that's just what you need. Yeah, you know, you need to, you got to get something a little bit different. And I think this goes back to like a larger problem. And man, this this podcast that is not like scheduled to be about anything has become about things suddenly is like, um, <laughs> like the kind of homogenization of almost everything, especially in like the AAA space, right? Like everything mm. feels the same. Um, and indies are, which I mean, is is one of the reasons why I in recent years have been all about the indie space because same they're here. just they're taking more risks, which leads to more interesting stuff. Yeah. And, but even then, I feel like indies are like kind of getting to that point too, right? Because like, what do you, you know, if you and if you, yeah, in 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 some stances, yes, because like, yes, it's like okay, the Dota Moo is a really good studio, already, but so. like they just did TMNT DLC. You know what I mean? It's like they're not doing, you know, that's that is another IP or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, or like you know, a new a new indie game gets announced, right? Like. 10 to 1, it's a Metroidvania, right? Like, 10 to 1, it's a Metroidvania. Or, or like, a 2D or, or 3D Souls. Yeah, like. or, has or, or, or a deck builder, or right? Like, like, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, there's, like, those four Or it's genres. a roguelike. Yeah, yeah or it's a roguelike. Um, and, like, that's awesome, but, like, I don't know, man. Like, and I'm going to just use an example. Like, I went to see... Um, I, I go to the movies a lot, and uh, this year I had the opportunity to go see Sorcerer in um, theaters, uh, directed by William Friedkin back in 1977. And I'd never seen it, and I'd heard really good things. Cause I, I like Friedkin, I like the French Connection, I like The Exorcist, um, I like some of his later career stuff. I still need to see French Connection. French Connection is so good. Um, great, great aging Hackman performance. Also, like the car chase is real. Uh, it's crazy. Um, so, uh, but I watched Sorcerer, and I came out of Sorcerer, um, which is like this very intense movie. Uh, and if you don't know what Sorcerer is, I'll, like, very quickly, like, it's about these group of, this group of four men, all of whom are on the run for various reasons. One of them is an embezzler, one of them is a hitman, uh, one of them was a getaway driver, uh, who robbed the wrong mob, and the last one is... Who's the uh, right mob? Yeah, like, <laughs> the guys who are gonna go after him, right? And one of them's a terrorist, um... And they are all in Veracruz, like, kind of trying to, to run away from, like, the things that are chasing them. And they all desperately want to get out, and they don't have any money. And uh, this oil well explodes, and they need dynamite to, to seal the oil well. But the only dynamite they have has not been turned over, so all the nitroglycerin has leaked out of the dynamite. Which basically means if they move it at all, they risk it exploding. Um, and they need to get it 200 miles to this oil rig. So the company that there's Orzo, a there's a bit of lost that actually has to do with this. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, they got that from Sorcerer. Um, so, uh, so basically, they hire these four groups of guys. That are like, we need you to put this in trucks and drive it 200 miles 
to get it to this rig. And uh, basically, you know, if they move the dynamite wrong, it will explode. Um, And that is the film. And there is a scene that's very, very famous where uh, they are trying to have this, you know, big truck cross uh, this bridge. It is torrential rain. Like, the bridge is falling apart. Um, You know, the bridge is, like, doing this. There's this one scene where the truck just kind of does this. Because one guy's on the bridge, like, trying to guide him across. The other guy's in the truck. And the truck just kind of does this. Um, Very famous shot. But, uh, like, I came out of Sorcerer being like, that is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. And... I want something like that for games this year and a year where like everything is really good. And I want the bridge scene from sorcerer. Like that's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. And games are so good. Why do I keep playing Morrowind this year? My God. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Like why? Yeah. yeah. there, There are a lot of instances where, you know, I'm looking at even the game from the year before, like triangle strategy. And it's like, this is a refinement of Final Fantasy Tactics. You look at Dead Cells and it's or Dead Cells like Return to Castlevania. This is a refinement of Metroid and Castlevania. You look at Diablo. Oh, this is a refinement of Diablo. Street Fighter is a refinement of Street Fighter. Humanity is a, is a refinement of Lemmings. You know, you get you get things like Tears of the Kingdom, which you could look at as being innovative, but also is kind of a refinement of Breath of the Wild. You know, the same thing with, you know, Diablo, the same thing with Baldur's Gate to an extent. Like, Final Fantasy 16 is also, like, hybrid, like, character action game, like, you know, mm-hmm. Devil May Cry and also the Final Fantasy tropes. Sea of Stars is, like, an evolution with quality of life benefits of, like, classic RPGs. Like, so much of this is, like... And even, like, a, a game that, that like emotionally resonated with me the most this year goodbye volcano high is also like you know uh, it's a lot like some of the classic telltale games where it's just like telltale or don't nod or that kind of stuff yeah or that sort of thing where it's like you're managing relationships you're you're doing like part of this stuff it's like it's a mashup so a lot of this even even though these are things disguise seven is just like a you know splitting the difference between disguise six and like disguise four or something like that you know Mm. so many of these games are just refinements of what has come before there are only really a few that are different and even so like i suppose you could look at wild frost as being like an expansion on the idea of like slay the spire or something or you could look i mean i think one of the most unique games that's come out is world of horror and even that like is, has very clear inspirations from Junji Ito and also HP Lovecraft, but it's in like a roguelike formula, which is something that's happened many times before, and also like an RPG formula, and also like a almost text-based adventure from like you know the old times. So I, th- there is you know this this idea of like there's nothing new under the sun, but I I, I mean there 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 is also a degree of that that's going on and and. It is That's, difficult yeah. to get It's, it's hard to make anything truly new. We yeah, understand it, that. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I get what you're coming from. Yeah. I think there are some who have gotten close. And, and I think that... I mean, I think that there is also something laudable in bringing something like Baldur's Gate 3, which is a CRPG, which has been done before, but bringing that to bear with 
a lot more fidelity, a lot more voice acting, a lot more high quality capture so that there is a level of... The presentation of, level is so high that anyone can approach yeah, it. Yeah, there's a level mm. of emotional fidelity and uh, performance fidelity that has not been seen before. So it is basically like we are taking the idea of Baldur's Gate 2 and presenting it with the it, within the modern technological landscape. And... I, th- I think there is a degree to which you can credit that as like not revolutionary or innovative, but like some, I guess, some simulacra of that, like some, some idea of that, some percentage of that. But at the same time, like we, we are looking for, we are waiting for something that is new and novel. And there, there isn't that much of that. And so, you know, like Will was saying, like there, there is a lot of this where it is like, yes, critically and, you know, fuck commercially, like nobody cares or at least we don't care, but like critically or ideologically, there are so many things that are excellent. There are so many things that are great, that are laudable, that are executing on what they try to do on what they want to do really, really well. But when it comes to reinventing the wheel, there isn't that much. Obviously, studios are risk averse. And I think that when we are going to come across something new, it's only going to be new in a couple of ways. And that is somewhat, I don't want to say depressing because that feels too heavy handed. But like there is a degree to which like, we hunger, we thirst for something like truly new. And there isn't that much. I think the last time that I, the last time I remember experiencing something really like that was like inscription. And even that was, or like, you know, and I'd played Pony Island. So the concept yeah, I mean, was I, already yeah, established. I, so. I did too. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's, you know, or, you know, Doki Doki literature club where it's like, this is just, it's not new. It's just a subversion of expectations. And it's, it's difficult to... As critics in this medium, it's difficult to see so many that is just like, all right, we're going to shave off the rough edges. We're going to refine what's good. We're going to leave what's bad behind until we like distill this into the purest form that it is or that it could be in our current imaginings. Mm-hmm. and like present that, you know, like, you know, it's like when we have our goatee episode last year, you know, we have the critics pick and we have the heart pick heart picks are flawed. Like they, they shoot for the stars and they miss a lot of times. Like a lot of times they totally fuck up shit and they have real problems, but they try to do something different. Whereas like the critics picks would be like Forza horizon five Hitman three, where it's like, these are, extreme refinements of things that have come before, but they don't actually offer anything new. It's just the best version of something you've seen before. The best version of a safe choice. Yes. And I think that's laudable. I think that's great. I think that there are people out there who are pushing the envelope in their very specific um, genres or area of expertise. And I think that there there is a different type of praise that should be given to those people as there is the trailblazers. Um, but I just think we have far too few of those now, Um, Yeah, which is a bummer as somebody who wants to experience very little new. 
is the problem, I think. And again, it, it yep. may it may just make the fact that, you know, there is so much of this bland soup, good bland soup, yep. worse. Because, like, if it was a sparse year where we had half the game releases, then maybe it wouldn't feel so much like that. But it's like, no, we are inundated with new releases and things we need to check out. No, 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 no. And always, it's like we reach the point of, this was pretty good. We yeah. have reached, mm, like... That's it peak fine is what i'm gonna call it (laughs) like peak fine we were at peak fine where like uh and this is another thing this is just like my personal take on it like obviously you know i'm not gonna i'm not here trying to like make anybody feel bad about liking a game right but um like to me like most games i think that the worst thing i can say about a game is like it's fine right like it it's fine it does everything it sets out to do. damning with faint praise yeah 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 it does it pretty well like but i'm not gonna remember it you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to remember Wanted Dead, which we talked about, like, a couple episodes ago, um, way more than most of the stuff that I play this year, because it's weird. Yeah. Uh, it is better to be bad than okay, because at yeah. least then you're me- memorable. And that's, yeah. That's which is, like, yeah. I mean, and that goes back to the, like, any press is good press type of idea of, like, it doesn't matter if you, it doesn't matter what type of news there is. If you're notable, even if it's for shit, like that's that's fine. And I I think that you know what what uh, you know what you guys were talking about is like so I I have you know I do backlogged I'm backlogged uh, slash you slash Ribnax right. So I have a list of all the games that I've played this year, and I have a list of all my favorite games this year. And if I look at it based off of what I think will actually stick with me, I could eliminate like 90% of this. You know, a lot of these games that I really enjoyed my time with, there's a difference between enjoying my time with and I'm going to remember it. Like Season, Goodbye Volcano High, like these types of games where like the game is saying something. Mm -hmm. Like there is a message Season is like, we are all going to die and it is really important what we share with the generations that come after us. Like, it's really important what our legacy is. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of how we preserve our our culture for future generations. And what we choose to take with us, what we choose to own, what we discard and what we leave behind. Like, that's really important. And Goodbye Volcano High is about leaving behind the fear of creativity, leaving behind your concerns and your, I guess, mortal fears for the creative process, for bridging gaps between people who feel and think differently from you and all of these sorts of things. And those are important messages that transcend. And that's going to do more for me in like years from now when I'm thinking back than like whatever Diablo 4 was trying to say. You know what I mean? Like then more than what Final Fantasy 16 was trying to say or Tears of the Kingdom, whatever that was about. I think it's honestly funny that you wrote up Diablo 4 first because I think Diablo 4 is very preoccupied like story-wise with the idea of legacy and what you leave to the next generation and how you make the world better or worse depending on what you do i think it's it is but i played it that. it is it is but i also played that like before the other games and i've kind of forgotten about that because there are other games that kind of like didn't have the mechanical satisfaction that i got from diablo 4 which became what the game was about for me 
when like Goodbye Volcano High and Season are like, there's not really a gameplay hook to hang on to or hold on to or like, you know, kind of the experience immerse yourself the in and they're basically just the story. Like, yeah. I, so, yeah. So like, obviously your mileage may vary, but like, you know, I, I think that that is interesting. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you guys talked about like the last time, like a game, like really like, you know, stuck in your craw or whatever you want to say, whatever you want to call it. Uh, for me, I think it was honestly like outer wilds. Um, Same, honestly. If not the most recent, that definitely was like, holy shit, that stuck with me. Yeah, like, to to the extent that, like, you know, I remember exactly when I played it. I remember, like, exactly what I was doing in my life when I was playing it. I remember, like, specific moments of playing that game, which I think is really rare for me. Like, I remember, you know, this specific sequence of events. And the things I gotta go I, back and try to do push it. through do the it. frustration that I had yeah. with that. Yeah, I think you really should. I, I got to the end of that I game. really hated the flight mechanics. I was just like, fuck you. No, I enjoyed it. it. I yeah, mean, it, it takes a little it's bit fiddly, of but, like, that's part of it, so, yeah. yeah I think yeah. I got through, like, two planetoids, maybe, maybe three, but, yeah. yeah like, the, I moment definitely... he, the moment I figured out how to get to the, the moon, the quantum moon, I'm like, holy shit, this is something special. Yeah. Just I, I... how that was done. I'm like, oh, that's so good. Wherever I got, I got, the last place that I think I played was, like, the place where there was sand all over the place and there was a cave where there was a rock that was moving between two different places and there yeah. were kids that were there or something like that. Is that, I don't know if that's the place that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that not, that's a different place. It, yeah, that ties into what he's talking about. But Where I found a guy who was just like sitting out on the grass and like playing like a banjo or something. Well, that's all <laughs> the just, other explorers of the Outer Wilds. And I was just like, like yeah. bro, what are you doing here? Things are They're falling to vibing. pieces. What are you They're doing? They're just vibing. It's the end yeah. of the universe, bro. Just let them vibe. Yeah, just honestly, yeah, it is the end of the universe. Um, I don't know. I, I got to the end of that game and I just like I wept, you know, for like a good five minutes. Um, I think it's a beautiful game, and but like that was yeah. like the last time where I got you know to like where I sat down with something and I was like, I really, really, really. Aside from I like change, emotionally resonated with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like obviously, like you know, there's games that I'm gonna be playing for a really long time. Like I will play Guilty Gear forever. Uh, and I have a lot of like you know emotional moments with that because of who I've played it with and what I've accomplished and, and things like of that nature. But it's a different. But it's kind less of game. the game. It's less yeah. the story. Yeah. It's trying to say. It's more just the experiences around that. That's yeah. that it's is a a, an instance where it is it is what Will is bringing to the game, instead of like vice versa. Like you're not gonna cry after playing the story mode of Guilty Gear Strive, no. unless you are a maniac. <laughs> if you love seeing somebody get smacked in the face with a 50-foot statue of Abraham Lincoln, sure, yeah, play Guilty Gear Strive story mode. In fairness, that was a beautiful moment. Fucking wild. That, that was, was a, a really beauty. funny moment. I mean, <laughs> I will say, I think that there is more weep-worthy moments in the DLC to Strive story. Uh, like, in, in the whole, like, in the Delilah story, like, there were definitely more emotional moments in that than there were in the, like, main game, for sure. I haven't played that yet. Um, but yeah... But yeah, like, and that, and that is like, there is a degree to which, like, Goodbye Volcano High is that for me. Be, like, as somebody who has been a musician for a long time, but who also is like going out and exploring, like, what it is to be a vocalist, what it is to be a frontman, what it is to, like, write lyrics and sing them in front of people, what it is to, like, expose your soul and your thoughts and your feelings and your, like, inner life to the masses and things like that. Like there is a degree to which 
Goodbye Volcano High is just going to resonate with me more than it probably does. I don't know. I don't know if I if I would say many other people, but like I feel like the the situation with that is like very specifically resonant with me now. So like other people may not vibe with that to the degree that they do with something like Outer Wilds, but like yeah, that is going to stick with me for a while. Like I am going to think about Fang in the future. I am going to think about, you know, these characters and their relationship and their band and that sort of a thing. So, you know, to each their own. Yeah. And, and you know, I guess, like, because, like, I think Baldur's Gate 3 was what, like, put us on this point. And I don't... Yeah. I'm not done with it, right? Like, I'm not done with it. I do think, you know, people are going to be like, oh, Will hates Baldur's Gate 3. No, I think Baldur's Gate 3 is a very good game. Um, but I, I am wondering, like, if I get to the end of it, if I'm going to be like... You know, have I been on an emotional journey or if I'm going to get to the end of it and like, you know, put it on my backlog and give it like four stars and be like, oh, it was a really good RPG. I had fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. And I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised either way. Yeah. like I feel like one is more likely than the other, but yeah. Yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe it, it does get to that point. Like right now I'm like, yeah, this is really good. Like I'm having a good time. Like, I'm enjoying these characters, but I don't know. I... I want some curry, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, again, I'm resonating with everything that's being said by both of you here and just pondering the whole situation more myself. It's just, I wonder if it's just a writing thing for me in particular, because like so many, just, just to lead into this, let's say, there's a lot of games I've played recently where the writing will get its hooks in. I'm invested in the story okay cool i'll play it out play that something happens it fucks up it drops the ball it fails the landing or whatever and i'm just sitting there going fuck fuck and then i'm just sitting there just it, it just like kind of derails the entire experience and this has happened to me like the one that i will never shut up about is obviously final fantasy 14's and walker expansion you went from the highest high that game has ever had and possibly that franchise has ever had to whatever the hell Endwalker is and it's not good and I will be crucified and you know for ever saying bad about that but like y'all are in denial guys criticizing the game will help you can't just <laughs> let it you can't just sit there and say it's fine while your game is dying please stop that's a tangent again um yeah but the problem is it just like it derailed everything that I liked about the story, tossed all the writing conventions and consistency that had been there out there, damaged a lot of characters in the process, and just made me feel shit about the whole thing. And then, while I was still recovering from that, I then played Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Same thing happened. That game was great and getting better and better and better, and then it hits the high point, and then just kind of peters out. And then the ending is dumb and terrible and just ruins everything. I'm sitting there going, why? What was the point of all this? This is none of this yeah it, and then and that's just become a recurring thing more and more games keep doing that it's like they get they get the ball rolling they get the hooks in it's like all right cool and then the writing can't maintain itself it can't stick the landing and then it just tanks the whole thing for me and now i'm just sitting here going i want something well written i want one of these stories to just take me through to conclusion and be satisfying and part of why I think Diablo 4 resonated with me is that that campaign did exactly that. I was waiting for them to shit the bed or pull out the Diablo card or just have a really sappy happy ending or something like that that is completely antithetical. No. Ended on a great note 
really perfect bittersweet victory but kind of thing and just never betrayed the characters never betrayed their motivations and such like this is great this is a solid fucking story and this is what i want more of and more games either and obviously you know games are games right you need the gameplay element you need that kind of thing to it I'm not gonna, you know, shed a tear if Armored Core's story doesn't end up being awesome because that's not necessarily what I'm there for. If it is, great. More power Absolutely. to it. Absolutely. It, it, it is actually the, quite good. And that's the <laughs> thing. I'm here for the tear-jerking story. <laughs> yeah. Look, dude, I am here to Do, pile, hey, a pile does, bunker a robot. That is what does I'm love, here for. Can love blossom between two robots on the battlefield? We can't well, we need to know. <laughs> I, I will say I think and I, I agree with Chris right I think like the reason that I, I vibe with Diablo 4 so much and it's not because like I am here to like click 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 like pick up loot I mean that can be fun for a and, while and but. To, to be super super clear like we did a spoiler cast and full beat by beat story discussion I was super into it like you know it is not absolutely it is not a a criticism of Diablo 4 it is just like where I am at right now with, like, no, no, no. Yeah. 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 I'm just and talking I may about fully be like forgetting like the impact that it had on me at the time or whatever. Like my mind is, is a sieve sometimes. So yeah, no, no, no. If I'm for like forgetting something. No, 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 Brian, this is not like a criticism of what you said. This is just like, I'm talking about like where I was with it. Right. And I, I go yeah, back same. to like it and I think about like certain parts of that story and I'm like, man, that was really good. Like I love the ending. Um, and you've and also her- spent a lot more time with it than either of us, I think. Yeah, because yeah, you've been I've, working I on it as so. well. Yeah, yeah, I've beaten that campaign th- two or three times, um, and I've done the seasonal stuff. Um, new season starts tomorrow, actually. Uh, and um, I don't know. Like uh, Chris has heard me say this before, and I know Brian has heard me say this before, but uh, you know, I have a saying, and it goes back to, to Mass Effect Three. Um, that kind of like picked up around like conversations I was having with friends when Mass Effect Three came out, and people got to the ending, and they were like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Um, <laughs> it, it, it you know to say that in the nicest possible way, uh, but uh, it came up with uh, some friends, uh, and we kind of came to the conclusion that like you know like the journey is great. Like people convince themselves that they love the journey, right? And that that's that's fine and that's fair. But people for convince me, themselves that they love journey. Yeah, but like <laughs> it. Hey, journey rules. Journey is actually like I actually quite like journey. But, Both game um, and band journey rules. Yeah, Can yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, for me, and I, I think Chris, this is probably what you're talking about a little bit. Um, like it doesn't matter how good the journey was if you end up at the top of shit mountain, and uh, that final experience and feeling you walk away from will color the expectations. Yeah, yeah. like and. You end up on the top of Shit Mountain a lot. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a great ending. It it just has to be good. And even that is a struggle for a lot of these, Mm -hmm. right? Like, the best moments of games that I adore are not the ending, typically. But as long as the ending is good or as satisfying, then I can walk away with that feeling. And then as I reflect back on it, I don't have to get, you know... Because anytime now I think of Xenoblade 3, I sit sit there and go, oh, that fucking ending. Man, Chapter 6 was really fucking great. That was great. Oh, that ending. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, whereas something else is like Disco Elysium ended really well. I'm like, cool. Now I go back and think of the things because I don't have that hurdle that I got to overcome to go think of it backwards. It's like, yeah. You, and there, there, there's also like that, that, famous, uh, that famous quote that is attributed to Maya Angelou. 
Uh, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And the last uh, lingering impression that you leave with people is how they will feel about it. Like mm-hmm. you can yeah. give them the greatest journey, but the final story beats and the ending is what people will feel as they leave the theater with a movie as they, as they shut down their computer or their console or whatever, if you are playing the game or whatever. And, and a bad ending will just leave a terrible taste in people's mouths. A good ending can cover a multitude of sins, but how often are you going to stick through a game that's not really doing it for you to see a great ending that's at the end of something that like you didn't vibe with? Like you're going to leave before then. Yeah. So it, it is it is most often that when what we experience are endings that don't really satisfy the things that have come before instead of vice versa. So that that is one thing that I have been very aware of as we have played through like the various things that we've played through this year. And I mean, and honestly, any year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, I think to, to Chris's earlier point, like a lot of the stuff and to Brian, what you just said, like a lot of the stuff that we remember is like, you know, how we felt at the end of, of stuff. And it's hard for me to remember like how I felt during the process. And this goes to like, a, am going to pull out some like, I have an MFA grad school like theory. Um, like as you, as you, uh, there's a piece of theory called the rhetorical transaction. And as you engage with something, you are building meaning as you engage with it, right? Like as you were watching a movie or reading a book or playing a game and uh, you constantly change it until you get to the end. Right. And then you have like a meaning, right. And that, that, that sense of meaning that you build becomes the work to you. And so it will yeah. be different for every person because that's the thing that you built right internally. Um, it's a more academic <laughs> version of people will remember how you feel. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to explain the why. Um, yes, 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 absolutely. And I'm fascinated to hear it. So, uh, like, because you're building that meaning, right, and you're constantly having to reevaluate, you know, you, you think, like, oh, this will happen, and then it doesn't, and then you're like, wait, did I misread, like, these other clues? Like, where did I mess up, right? You know, um, but really there's only two ways that the story can go, right? Like, you, the phone rings and you pick it up, or the phone rings and they don't pick it up, right? But, like, once that happens, the other option is closed off. And uh, so, like this Although idea, I, if you're if you're a fan of quantum physics, this is known as collapsing the wave function. <laughs> yeah, and and so I think about like stuff like that in relation to like how we feel about stories, and specifically how we feel about like the endings of certain stories. Like I think about the ending of Neuromancer all the time, all the time. I think about the last line of that book because it makes me I'm feel. Read things. that. <laughs> it has a. I, I won't spoil the last line. Um, but it has like a, it's the same way I, I think about like read that. <laughs> Uh, like the end of Moby Dick, right? Like the last line of Moby Dick, um, where it's like this beautiful, like really haunting image that is like, you know, the end of a long journey in a lot of ways. It's very sad, but also like there was some good that came out of it. Right? It's, it's hard to describe without like talking about, you know, those books and like, obviously yeah. people know the ending of Moby Dick, but uh, if you haven't read Neuromancer, I really, really suggest that you do read it. And um, I'm going to be real. I don't actually know a hundred percent that I've read Moby Dick. <laughs> I mean, the whale wins. Everybody dies except Ishmael. That's the story. Oh, nice. Um, and it, the, the last Revenge line... leads you nowhere. That's the point. Yeah, the last line is, is something about... They, they come across this other ship during the hunt for Moby Dick called the Rachel, who is uh, looking for lost members of the crew because they were also hunting Moby Dick, and they ask Ahab to help, and Ahab says no. And uh, so... Oh, interesting. The Pequod sinks, and everybody dies except Ishmael. And, uh, you know... 
he is sitting in the water and he and i'm gonna butcher the last line but this is the it's the best of my recollection you know he uh he says something along the lines of he sees a sail and it's the rachel who in search of her lost children found only another orphan beautiful line yeah um but like that's the last thing that you get when you read moby dick and you know that like colors the whole perception right and it's the same thing with like the last line of neuromancer or like the last scene in any film that like has a really emotional ending and i think that you know chris's point like that stuff is really hard um to do and it's even hard to end a story well like endings are the hardest parts i think as as someone who like writes fiction and has been published um when you brought that up and and you were talking about like the endings the the thing that immediately came to mind and i have no idea if this has any bearing on what you're trying to say was the ending to inception where it's just like this is just like this could be a good thing this could be a bad thing. This could be literally nothing. And and it just yeah. like the idea that like I thought about that. Like I think about that spinning top. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's or, that's And then there's more to it is that it doesn't even matter if the top is spinning or not. The point is he's not looking at it. He doesn't yes. care. Yeah. It, it like the, yeah, the we, you know, people talk about that ending a lot and I thought it was it wasn't real interesting. People were trying to figure out like is it real is it a dream and you know the thing that people don't talk yeah. about. Which is what Chris said. He's not like, looking at it. He doesn't it, care. It doesn't matter. He doesn't care. It doesn't matter to him anymore. Yeah. That's like funny he, because I did not think about that until you just brought that up. Because I was like, because I, you know, and there, there's a degree to which like, and I mean, man, we are getting deep into philosophy, but like the ending is the ending that I want because that's the ending that I need it to be, you mm-hmm. know, like. And, and and there is a degree to which many games don't actually provide us with enough room to take things where we need them to be. And like, you know, whether you want to consider that to be a weakness of the medium, a um, cowardice on the development staff or the publisher. We don't just want to have a hard end to your playtime, you know? Yeah, like... You, they're, they're, it's like, yeah, the story is over, but you can still go do the side quests. And, yeah, yeah. You, like, you literally could have ended Mass Effect 3 before the choice and been like, what do you think he did? You know what I mean? Like, you could have had an Inception-level ending of being and like... And anything you imagine is better than what we got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, like, there's a degree to which, like, that ambiguity isn't really what video games truck with. Like I and and that that I I there's a degree to which I think that that is actually the medium's weakness and that I think that I don't think that I can count it to the medium as a strength but I think that I can say I I have half a mind to say that it doesn't matter but also I want it to matter I don't I don't know how you guys feel about this. And I mean, also, I, we are so deep into this discussion. But it's I mean, great. I, I'm loving this. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, you know, we, we've talked about Diablo 4 a lot on this podcast, but I think Diablo 4 actually has one of those endings, right? Where you yeah, can... I'm still thinking of the, the last words, basically. That mm. letter. It's just like, that, that was great. That was a great finish. I read that letter, quote for quote, in our deep dive, because I'm like, yeah, this is, this is a good way to end it. Right, and, 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 you know, and, and, and I will I will agree with you if there is no DLC that explores that and like actually fleshes that out. If that's literally just like the last thing we get in this story, if there is no you know Mephisto DLC, exactly. Yeah, and if sure. Diablo Five has nothing to do with this, then like I'm right there with you. But I don't 
believe that. And th this is the issue of ongoing series and when do you leave enough alone? Like, what is the pro and con of your story ending, of your series ending, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, if they're, like, an example I always bring up is if there is never a Devil May Cry 6, that is a great point to leave it off. But man, it would suck yeah. if there's never a Devil May Cry, May Cry 6, 6 to further explore the gameplay aspects of it, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's a struggle and it's and, probably but, something but even unique that, and, to games. <laughs> And a great thing about that is that we could literally have Capcom come out and be like, Devil May, Devil May Cry 5 is the canonical ending to the series. We're coming out with Devil May Cry 6, but it's placed before Devil May Cry 5. So like we can carry forth the gameplay ideas, but like that story ending is going to be what we leave off with. And then you can have both. Yeah. You can have both the gameplay catharsis. But that can also and, retroactively negatively affect the story if you go, well, why didn't this factor in previously? Which this is, is also risk. true. Which is Not also every true. prequel is Yakuza 0, you know? So, the, yes. the, I'm going to call this the Uncharted 4 problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> why did we never well, hear like, about nate's brother before this moment right like no and and like and like so my understanding of that like just to address the micro question there my understanding is he thought his brother was dead this whole time right but if i thought my sibling if i had a sibling right and my sibling was dead like i'd probably talk about my dead brother every now and then fair like fair but like, also like, I don't know. Maybe that maybe the the shape that his sorrow has has formed is that we don't fucking talk. We don't fucking talk about. Uh, oh my god, what was his name? Troy Baker. <laughs> we don't talk about Troy Baker. <laughs> we don't talk about Troy Baker. Um, oh, we don't Sam, mention Sam. Troy Baker in this house. Sam is the guy's name. Um, but, you know, yeah. on the other hand, like, you can do that same thing, right, and have it work really well. Like, I'm thinking of, like, StarCraft Two, right? Like, Tychus Finley is not a character, Free yeah. Wings of Liberty, and he's one of the best parts about that game. And, mm -hmm. like, he makes the characters more interesting by virtue of him being there. Like, he makes Jim Rayner a more interesting character. And how yeah. they interact with him or But he was just, like, some so guy yeah. before then, right? Like, there, there that oh, isn't, yeah. like, a, that isn't, like, a plot hole that he wasn't, like, mentioned earlier because he was just some dude, right? Well, was, I mean, they yeah. they know each like, other, but like, I think I think part of the reason StarCraft gets away with it is also because of like the way that game tells its story. Like StarCraft and Brood War, especially, yeah. is like a lot of it is mission briefings, right? You're not gonna have Jim sit there and talk about. I remember my buddy Tychus, right? You know, you yeah. just don't have time. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, a lot of the stuff in StarCraft is like hinted at and not necessarily directly explained, which goes into the idea of like maybe not telling you everything is good. Um, but like you can do that, right? You can have that that ending that that works. I think Wings of Liberty actually has like a very nice ending where you can kind of get out of it whatever you want before they retroactively made the series worse. Um, mm -hmm, with like Garden mm -hmm. of Swarm and Legacy of the Void. Uh, I think completely agree. Yeah, I think Brood War actually does the same thing. Like I think Blizzard is actually quite good at this. Um, but uh, which is something I haven't really thought about until right now. But that explains why I like so many of their endings. Uh, at least in the early I, I adore Brood War, so I can yeah. sit here and talk about that for ages. I don't remember. Yeah. It's been so fucking long since I've played Brood War. I don't even remember anything about it. Brood War's ending cinematic is really good. Um, it's it's, it's really, just the, it's entire, really the entire last campaign and how it goes and how Kerrigan's ambitions and plans and everything come through and all the characters, you know, act logically in accordance to what they would do, even if it means, you know, manipulation and deceit and being horrible bastards. And it's so fascinating where everything ends up and the villain wins and you're kind of like, this is the only way it really it could have gone for her character. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Brood War is fantastic. Really, well, fantastic. really good. And really, 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 really well written. Um, For sure. But I think, yeah, like, you know, I think it's good to. I call this, like, a friend of mine when I was in grad school, we called this, like, the Bolaño ending. Um, uh, Roberto Bolaño is one of my favorite authors, Chilean. He, uh, he died fairly young. He was, like, 50. Um, but he had a massive um, impact on, on uh, literature. Um, and he wrote a, a short story uh, that I'm going to recommend to everybody if you like short stories uh, called Last Evenings on Earth. And uh, it ends in, like, a very ambiguous way um that is very interesting that you can think about it and i used to teach it when i was teaching and i would ask you know my students like why would it why does it end this way right like you know because people i'm sure want the answer to what happens next because it ends in a very interesting place and you know the answer a lot of them eventually come up with is it doesn't matter anymore what happens next right like we've we've got the emotional catharsis of the story um and i wish games were were more like willing to get you to that point of emotional catharsis and then stop yeah it is okay to stop playing at this point <laughs> yeah and be like you know what that's it um and yeah, I, I think again like going back to outer wilds like that's it it's like yeah you're done you're good it's all done here Just sit back think about that because holy shit yeah and i think like you know like you can have those moments of like that thing and you know obviously i get letting people go back and like you know doing the rest of the collectibles and whatever and i think you can also have the story do those things and end in a way that's satisfying and maybe not wrapping up every loose end while also letting people yeah. be like i can you know i can i can go back right and finish my stuff so it's hard um i wish yeah i think it's an interesting discussion because i, I do think we've gotten to the point where we uh like feel the obsessive need to wrap everything in a nice little bow and um but not only that, just not doing that very well, because either because the the involvement of writers is downplayed in games and game stories and such, there isn't enough emphasis on it. Like, writing in general is just downplayed in a lot of mediums, right? They're like, who cares about writing or whatever? Look at the pretty visuals and, you know, whatever in latest X movie or Disney movie or whatever. It's like, who gives a fuck, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, this is a cornerstone. You know, your, your castle is built on this. If your foundation is sand, it's going to sink. And this is happening. We're seeing more and more diminishing returns in things like, you know, Marvel. Marvel movies going back even further to discussion. Mm. That it's like, yeah, the, there isn't enough emphasis or focus on the writing, not enough care or concern given. It just becomes a factory line product and then all of it falls apart. But you can get away with a factory line product that has really well written stuff because, again, it is your foundation. Yeah. And I feel like. There's just not enough focus on the writing aspect. And again, this is probably just me being biased as a writer. Who knows? But like, there's not enough focus of that in media, creative mediums in general, aside from, obviously, books. And, well, that industry's not going so great either, is it? Books and publishing's <sighs> actually doing fairly well, believe it or not. Well, um, well fair enough. <laughs> what's doing fairly well? Publishing, like traditional publishing. Mm. That's um, good. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's it wasn't when I was studying it because everyone's like, "Oh God, doom and gloom." And this was this was like 15 years ago, so you know, this is a while back. Yeah, it's it's gotten better. Um, you know, I, I think uh, like it's it's one of the reasons I like I really encourage people to like you know watch really good television or like you know good film or you know read more. Um, like I think about Broaden the, the horizons. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, expand your idea of what good writing is and can be and what good storytelling is and could be. I think about the ending of the wire constantly. Um, 
I think about the writing in The Wire constantly because everyone tells me that I need to watch it. I'm desperate to do so. Yeah, it is. Uh, I've only seen what, like the first two episodes? Episodes, yeah, something like that. It's quite everyone good. Everyone says it's like peak TV, and it's like, well, I, 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 I think The Wire is probably the best television show ever made. Um, it is really, really smartly written, really, really well acted. Like, I don't know if you could make it today. Um, like, it deals with some, you know, pretty fucked up stuff. Um, but it's very honest. Like, it, it never, like, you know, it never cheats you. Uh, stuff in the wire happens because, you know, you get to the end and you're like, that's the only way that could have happened. Um, but I think about that a lot because it, you know, obviously it respects its characters, but like a lot of bad stuff happens. Like yeah. a lot of people die. Like it's, it's not a happy story. Um, but you which is one end, of the reasons why I haven't though. like, uh, you know, dove straight in to it is because like, you know, I mean, Will, Will knows about this. Like I've been going through some stuff. So like the, the idea of spending more time in like depressing stories is not uh super appealing to me but at the same time like you know we're talking about reading we're talking about watching we're talking about uh kind of consuming valuable things i recently read this book called i think the name of it is four thousand weeks um but it's it is uh very um very important i guess i would say it it's it's about like life prioritizing because we only have on average about 4000 weeks to live mm-hmm. and it's about what that means for us and so the idea of like demanding more or expecting more from the things that we choose to spend our limited time on uh, is, and that, that is important. Um, and it, you know, it's a sobering thing that people don't often think about, but like how many summers do you get? How many winters do you get? How many days do you get? How many Saturdays do you have? Mm-hmm. And that answer is different for everybody, you know, but the pursuit of artistic beauty is one of the things and the creation of that for artists is one of the things that makes life meaningful and makes life worth living. And that's one of the reasons why the three of us and the other co-hosts on this podcast who have come before, that's one of the reasons why we do the things that we do Uh is because life has a lot of suffering in it. Life has a lot of pain in it, but it's also really beautiful. And there are things that we can experience that are like nothing else. And this medium may have its shortcomings and game development may be toxic and games journalism may be in a state, but (laughs) to say the least, that's a nice way of putting it. But there are also things that, that games can show us that games can, help us to experience that are not able to be experienced in any other way during our time on this planet. And it is a unique medium and more games and people with it should try and use that. Yes. Not always. They don't always do it. Sometimes it's just for, you know, 
there's, there's nothing wrong with having a good playable game, sure. But yeah. it's like what what will always stick out to me is the games that do something more with it. Yeah. Like Mario Wonder is not going to tell me something new about the human experience, but it's going to be really fun, and that has its own value. You know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but I, you know, I I would settle for a few more games that were willing to. Uh try to shoot for the ending of Metal Gear Solid 3 and force me to pull the trigger myself. Yeah. You know, like I go back to that one a lot too, right? Because like, you don't, you don't want to, you know, you sit there you in that moment, to. you don't want to, but that's what you have or the to last, do. Or The Last of Us, the ending yeah. of The Last of Us. You know, I know, I know that, you know, Will is not a huge fan of that. I think that the ending moment, you know, well, one of the moments in the ending of that is like, I don't want this to happen. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's that's actually one of the best parts of that game, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, yeah, I think that and everything that comes after it is gold. Yeah, I honestly. think that like it takes a little bit of time to get there sometimes, and the, the stuff that it does on the way to that point is not always great. But I do like the ending. Yeah, I think the like that that last moment of like again like you know let the audience draw their own conclusions. Don't give us a definitive answer, which is why I'm like vehemently against the idea of a sequel to that game. I think yeah. You, and I, just, I still haven't played the sequel. You know, I'm, people have told me it's really great. I'm sure it is. I, I, I personally think it's better than the first game. But I also, you know, I, I am also on record multiple times saying The Last of Us did not need a sequel. Like, it would have been totally great without a sequel. Yeah, I, I just as well have played it. I've studied it hard enough. It's, yeah. yeah. I've seen people play it. You know, I know what happens. But I'm also just like, you know, nothing about this to me is like as interesting as that last moment. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think like you know we need to let games have interesting last moments instead of yeah. like doing other things where it's like oh we can continue this or we can expand upon it or like, sometimes just let it let it be you know and and, uh, and and honestly I think that if they make a Last of Us Part Three they're like, going to hundred percent it makes too much money yeah yeah it mm-hmm. makes too much money but it just because it hasn't been announced I'm just gonna. Well, they have to remaster way. the last of us 2 first <laughs> a game with two with two uh entries but five games <laughs> but like if they make a last of us 3 like it, it can't end in a way that's more resonant than the ending of last of us 1 like surely I, I, I can't because if, if they do like uh, anyways, but that's, that's neither here nor there. And that's not what, you know, will or, or, you know, uh, Chris was trying to say. So I apologize for, you know, butting in with no, that. That's all good. I get it. No. It's an interesting discussion to be had, you know, but that, that, that is, that is something that I've been thinking about. You know, there are very few things that we get to do with our time. And part of our job Chris and Will and myself, part of our job is to launder experiences through ourselves and tell you what is worth your finite time on this planet. That is part of the sacrifice that we have made. We will play stuff on the off chance that it is good. And if it is not good, then we have just spent our limited time on this earth playing something that is not that good. But if but we there are still ways to use good. it. Yeah. And that's the thing. We can still use it to say, why is this not good? How could this yes. be better? What is good in comparison? Why does this work and this doesn't? There is use in even a yes. bad experience if we're willing to let it. And that's why I feel these discussions are important. Even yes. for you know, games we may not necessarily 
like or do like. It's like, what what does this stick with us? Why? And yeah, so on. Criticism the, the, is found yeah. in contrast. And, you know, th- there are a lot of things that have sucked that we have played. And part of part of our job in playing all of these things is not just to play things and be like, oh, that was fun. It's like, why? Like, yeah. we have to delve into why is that good? Why is this bad? What does this say about the other things that exist? You know, what can we take forward? What do people need to learn? That's why we can play things like Sea of Stars and be like, people need to learn from this. Mm -hmm. This is taking a classic formula that has been with us since even before the NES, but was definitely popularized with the first Final Fantasy on NES. Like, this formula has been in place since the 80s. And for 40 years, it has been the same, basically. And now we are getting way more engaging, way more active combat, and that can make this genre way more fun, way more engaging. It can give us new opportunities to tell different types of stories. It can bring new people into the genre. Like, there are so many things that, you know, and I I don't know why, I, I don't know how we got here, but like, we didn't have anything to talk about. <laughs> that this, but this is like something I that I take. This is something that I take very seriously. Like this is something that I, I take seriously. This is why I made this show. Mm-hmm. This is, is why I want to keep being on this show. It's, this yeah. is the kind yeah. of thing. This is why I stick with this entire idea of you know games criticism and media and such. This is what I want to do. This is straight up. This particular podcast episode has been one of the better experiences in it because that's yeah this is what i want to do i want to delve into this medium into what it means what it can bring forth what it does and doesn't do well how we can improve it how we got here all of that i want to explore that i want to dive deeper into it and i want to see it you know grow and it and all other artistic mediums and everything from this like what can all of this learn and that's a place that is very hard to you know in in games media and such most places don't have room for that like that's this is a kind of you know the long form editorial prestige article or whatever that is like basically now relegated to video essays on youtube you don't see this on most websites or you you've managed to sneak it in as bylines in between your guides and reviews and whatever else it's like yeah this is what i want to do this is this, this is, is stuff the good I aim stuff to do. Yeah. 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 Yep. And this is what more people I feel should at least be considering or discussing. Maybe not everyone is going to or interested in going in as hard or in as in depth and with as many games as we do, but like if this is what I'm going to spend my life doing, I might as well make it meaningful, right? Yeah. Going into the whole 4000 weeks thing, it's like I wanted to at least, you know, see how far I can get it. Well, yeah. What can I do with this? And here I, I am. So <laughs> I have three things I want to say and then I think I might leave it with those three things because I think hopefully that they will get, the, up, yeah. Yeah, get to the point that I want to make across. The first thing is, um, you know, I, I, Brian talks about, you know, the 4,000 weeks. I, I think about that a lot. Like it was one of the, the first things that uh, I would teach my students when I was teaching writing was I would have them read an essay by uh, Thomas Lynch called The Undertaking, which I highly, highly recommend. Um, you know, if anybody uh, wants to read that essay, let me know. I'll send you a copy of it. Um, but Lynch is an undertaker, and uh, he wrote about, you know, what do you do with the dead, right? What, what do you 
do with them after? How do we how do we deal with this? What is the meaning of our lives because of the way that we deal with the dead? It's a great essay. I won't spoil it, but um, I think about that a lot. And it's part of the reason that you know some friends of mine have joked that like Will doesn't really play bad games. Will doesn't really watch bad media very much. And I'm like, yeah, because listen, I only have so much time, and you know I think you have to be aware that a lot of your choosy like, moms choose Jeff. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be choosy, right? Like your life is an alarm clock, and you don't know when the wake up timer is. Yeah, you know, like everybody has a set amount of time, and you don't know when the alarm's gonna go off. Um, so you gotta think about that. The second thing is that you know I think this kind of stuff is obviously really important, and I'm I'm glad that we're able to do it, and I hope that you know people will be more willing to look at things through that that lens of not just is it good is it bad is it fun you know but like what i get out of it and what is it saying what is what is the artistic thing here and um i think finally like if we talk about you know oh man i might have actually lost my third thing that was a shame that was really good too it was really good. Uh, <laughs> what were we talking about? There it is, everybody. <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, if you if we get back Artistic to the t- expression medium, you know, oh yes, the medium, yes, the good yes, and the bad. yes, yeah, yes, we yes. got it. I, I remember. Um, and it actually, kind of reminds me of one final thing. Um, when I was in grad school, uh, and we would have workshops, right? You'd, you'd write your, your story or whatever it was, you know, your novel excerpt, and you'd submit it, and a week later, everybody would read it. And sometimes you'd get torn apart, and sometimes you'd get very lovely, glowing feedback, and sometimes it's a little bit of both. And, you know, the thing that I think I learned the most out of that was A, how to be a better writer, but B, also, you know, that when you do criticism, um, when you give feedback on something, uh, even if you don't like the thing, it's valuable because you're learning about what you value yeah. right why do i like this uh why does this appeal to me why do i am i emotionally engaged with this aspect and not this one right and then as you begin to understand those things about yourself it helps you a as a critic and b if you go into a creative field like it helps you with that because you understand like oh this is the thing that matters to me and this is why and i am now able to articulate it better to the people who i want to talk to about it so i think you know if we have a duty to like do anything as critics or as like people who care about you know art um it's that you know art is a is a is a process and a journey and it takes a long time and you fail a lot and you get better at it and you fail some more and you get better at it and sometimes you get worse and criticism is like that too and the art that you interact with is going to also be like that. And I think the most important thing to do is to kind of open yourself to the idea that maybe that's good and not a bad thing when things are imperfect. Because, you know, a lot of, a lot of times we talk about like, oh, this thing is so great. It doesn't have flaws. But a lot of the greatest things are flawed in some way. And that's part of what and makes those rough good. edges can make them so much more interesting. Yeah. 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 Like, um, you know, we talk about like a lot of you know great books or great films or you know great games or whatever like a lot of them have flaws like they're not these perfect sanded things that have been focus tested until you know you've beaten the interesting ideas out of them so i guess yeah the last thing that i want to say is you know 
be willing to play those weird things, be willing to like write the weird thing, be willing to do the weird thing and, and be open to the idea that there is something to be learned in the weird and the imperfect because that's where the good stuff is. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is like, you know, the, the, the core idea behind the platformers game of the year, like heart pick is like, there, there is the idea, you know, the critics pick, which is like, this is the game that is without flaw, but that doesn't necessarily mean that this is a game that is trying to say something. It just, it could just be like the current pinnacle of the iterative cycle of this genre or whatever. Whereas the heart pick is like, this is something that was shooting for something, you know, this is brilliant but I like this. Yeah. 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 You know, like this is, this is really laudable for, and and I, it's not to take anything away from people who try to, there there is like, uh, if you've, if you've not seen it, I highly recommend watching uh, Giro dreams of sushi, which I don't know if that's still on Netflix, but like the idea that like, Japanese culture and food making and the, the, you know, the food prep industry or, you know, the food service industry is like this guy, Jiro and his son and his, the people that have taken over for him are interested in one idea and one idea only. And it is to create the supreme sushi experience. And that is literally all he cares about. Everything that he does is where can I get the best fish? What process do I have that gives the best sushi experience? Like what can I do to make people who come to my restaurant have the best sushi that they have ever had in their lives? And there is a degree. Yeah. The pursuit of perfection in a singular column in a singular vertical. What can IO interactive do to make Hitman three, the best immersive sim assassination simulator that exists. And I feel like they did an exceptional job. Hitman three is an amazing game. It's really, really great. It isn't really trying to say anything. It's about pure. It is about the pure pinnacle of gameplay. And there is definitely a place for that. And I feel like Nintendo is also in there where like, I imagine that super Mario wonder is going to be, a transcendent experience from just a pure gameplay perspective. I'm not expecting to be challenged by my ideas of like right and wrong or the human experience by what's going on with princess peach in that game. Like I'm just not like, that is not what I get. There is from value it. in the mechanical experience though. Yes. And, but, but that is a, 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 this is something where like, I mean, this is why the critics pick and the heart pick came about is like, there is a, there is praise that is deserved with that. And there is also praise in going off the beaten path and saying, I have an idea and I don't know if it's going to work and it doesn't always work, but I really want to make a game that is half room escape and half bullet hell shooter. And I want to see if I can do it. And then they came out with a kill. And it's a really interesting game and it has its problems, but it's weird and you will never play anything like it. I want to make a game that's half dating sim and half Qbert. And then you come out with Catherine 
And it's like, this is really weird and you'll never play anything like it. And that novelty is valuable. And games like The Outer Wilds and like Goodbye Volcano High are valuable for their emotional statements or for their very human statements or like the 4,000 weeks thing. Like your time is fucking limited. Be aware, like Memento Mori, remember your death. It is going to happen. And what you choose to do with your time is meaningful. And that is, that is something that your, your mileage may vary. You may be satisfied with just wandering to playing whatever it is that you want. You may be fine not questioning or interrogating these sorts of things. But for the people who want to go deeper, for the people who want to ask more, uh, I think that that is a worthwhile pursuit. And that is one that I am happy that that I... And by extension, my co-conspirators and co-hosts have decided to dedicate ourselves to. And we hope that you agree. And we hope that you get something from this. And from both our sacrifice and our triumphs. And this no feels like a discussion that add. probably should have happened at like episode 300 instead of 290. <laughs> but hey, we you got know plenty what? of time. This is a warm-up round. Yeah, this is a warm-up round. Besides, to say something just, you know, slightly more positive after all that, just remember, time you enjoy wasting, it's not wasted time. Yes. Very true. Very true. There is nothing wrong with enjoying yourself. And don't let whatever society you are a part of guilt trip you out of enjoying the time that you have and making you feel like you have some obligation to run in some hamster wheel on, you know, other people or society or whatever's benefit. Uh, because ultimately, man, we're getting, we're just getting really into it. Ultimately, your job isn't going to be that your employer is not going to be there on your deathbed. Nobody's there on the deathbed saying, I wish I worked harder. That's yeah. the saying. And, and I will, you know, say the thing that I used to tell my students, like, you're going to die. It's going to happen. And it might seem like it's really far away right now. But when it gets here, it's not going to seem like it was that far away. So you'd better be like, sure, every day that you're waking up and you're spending your time how you want to. Because you don't get do-overs. Yeah. You, you get October 16th, 2023 once once yep. and you know I'm i don't know there's a lot of time loop games out there that's true but until somebody <laughs> figures out to put me in a time loop you get it once and that was the same yeah. thing i told them with their work right like you get to do most things once make sure that you're doing you know the stuff that you want to be doing if you put your name on something make sure you're proud of it and if you're spending your time a certain way you know make sure that you're not going to look back on it in five years and be like holy shit i wish i'd done something else right so yeah I don't know. I think about that every day. And I think people would be a lot happier if they also thought about it every day because, you know, the, the people like get sad about like, you know, death is like such a sad thing. And they're like, nah, man, like it's a natural thing. And the fact that we have a limited amount of time makes the time that we have mean something. So, uh, yeah, I celebrate I, the life. Don't fear yeah, the death. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't agree with what Will just said. I don't actually think that 
our time being limited is what makes it valuable. However, I do agree with what Chris just said and that it is not, uh, it is not as tragic that our time comes to an end than it is miraculous that we got any time at all. Um, and I think being grateful for that is important and can be a source of much joy. Uh, in a life your that atomic can... structure right now is made of exploding dinosaurs and or stars that's awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> pretty wild <laughs> but anyways yeah uh i got nothing that else seems I'm, like good. It... I'm good to leave it there that seems like Holy as good shit, a, can we go home now <laughs> as good a, a good a place as any to say thank you very much for joining us for episode 290 of the platformers podcast uh if you would like to we would love to have you please join us at twitch.tv slash ribnax r-i-b-n-a-x um not every week but on mondays right now we're looking at uh bi-monthly so every other week uh and you can also check them out at youtube.com slash at ribnax um, you can also check me out at those same uh usernames ribnax at uh, Twitter and backlogged. And you can also find me at blue sky at Brian Barnett, B R I A N B A R N E T T. And if you want to find the stuff that I'm doing, you can check out IGN plus at IGN.com. And, uh, I've also got some top 10 pieces that are coming up. Um, pretty soon I've got some interviews that are going up that was going to be going up in the next like week, but actually got pushed back to December. So, uh, that should be fun. I'm playing some stuff. There's also a lot of sweepstakes that you can go and enter, uh, as a part of IGN rewards. Um, which is just like, if you have an IGN account, you can go and enter to win like a steam deck, a switch OLED, a really sick gaming setup, including a PS five and a TV and like a custom built gaming PC. Like there's a bunch of shit that you can just enter to try to see if you can win. Um, and if you're a member of IGN plus, you can go and, uh, collect like complimentary game keys for a bunch of cool stuff, which I'm also writing about. And I'm also doing like developer interviews on. So that's what I'm doing, uh, now. Uh, and that is where you can find me. Uh, by contrast, my resume is a lot shorter, but, uh, you can find me at versus the backlog vs the backlog.com one word. Uh, that is where I post a most of my stuff um, and have links to previous things I have done uh, as ever not posting nearly enough working on it there's like three things I've just got waiting to go and just got to order it out and put it's imaging it's, it's images right screenshots and getting them off the switch and that's what holds me back half the time yeah. point is yeah you can find me there you can find me on most things at Delphia EI rather than IE that's in most video games on Twitter though I don't use it that much and around the internet you can find me uh, at ByWillBurger, uh, that's Burger with an O, not a U, on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Edgar Allan Bro on Blue Sky and Edgar Allan Bro on Backlogged. And uh, if you are interested in stuff that I've been doing, um, we're running a bunch of stuff on IGN, uh, IGN First for Tekken 8. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff still coming. I think we have three pieces out now. It's really, really cool. Um, please read it if you're interested in Tekken. I think it's shaping up to be fantastic. I'll talk about it a little bit more in the future when we've got everything a little bit more uh, hashed out. We're still early in 
process here. Um, you can also check out a review I wrote on IGN for uh, Star Trek Infinite, uh, latest for X game, uh, Star Trek themed. Pretty pretty interesting little game. And uh, if you are using uh, <laughs> the IGN guide for Mortal Kombat One, I wrote most of it. Um, so you know, hopefully, if you're doing that, check it out, get some use out of it. I think it's pretty good. I just finished my final bits today, um, right before this podcast, actually. So yeah, find me there, and uh, that's it. Chat with me on Twitter. <laughs> that reminds me. <laughs> that reminds me. I picked this up in Seattle from my buddy Wolf. Will, have you seen this? What is it? Ooh. Ooh, I have Guil- one. I have one actually. It's Guilty Gear Strive the board game. There we go. You uh, have yeah, one I of these. One. Yeah, I have one. Uh, you know, I backed the Kickstarter. You better believe it. I, d- I did not. He just had this and he was giving me stuff. Like he gave me an extra switch dock and that handle thing. And then I saw this and I was like, oh, what the hell is this? And he was like, yeah, you can have that if you want. And I'm like, yes, please. So yeah, I haven't actually played it yet. So yeah. But yeah, that's that's cool. I like I saw that and I was like, "There's a Guilty Gear board game." What? There's a lot of so. board games that are based off game licenses nowadays. It's just there's a Dark Souls board yeah. game that I have heard a Dark Souls board game or the Bloodborne one that I've heard is pretty good actually. Dark Souls is a bit grindy, but okay. Um, it's yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, but like board games, that's a whole that's a whole podcast worth. But like yeah. board games are board games are in a golden age at the moment. They're doing pretty well for themselves. Man, so you know what? Yeah. I need to hit up Matt Adler and get him on here so we can talk about board games because I know that he's done he's reviewed quite a few for IGN. I, I'm I a need, big board game guy, but we but, need to please. <laughs> It's it's almost eleven o'clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not go into any more tangents. This went longer than we expected. This had no original, you know, major topic, and boy, did we make it a major topic. So, uh, we really, gentlemen, did. existentialism. Anyways, if you like the show, please give us a review or tell somebody about it. But from everybody here at the platformers, we hope you have a wonderful week and stay safe out there. Because until next time, we are out. Peace, you guys. <laughs>